0: You're listening to the Mindless Wrestling Podcast, now part of the Chairshot Radio Network on thechairshot.com. Remember, always use your head. You look like a dude who should be pumping my fucking gas. This isn't doing it for me. There's, I'm not getting, I'm not getting enjoyment out of this. He was
1: a before the bell rings all star.
0: All right, everybody, it is Wednesday night, February 22nd, 2023. This is the Mindless Wrestling Podcast, part of the Chairshot Radio Network. You can find us on the ChairShot.com where we encourage you to always use your head. I'm the man with the award-winning beard, DJ. I'm going to wrap around the room here and introduce this interesting cast of characters. I'm going to start off by mentioning conspicuously by his absence. Jason is not with us tonight. Jason finding out what the rest of us working stiffs found out many years ago <laughs> that uh, that sometimes having a real job gets in the way of your fun stuff. So hopefully we'll have Jason back next week. gonna start off here with a a, a, a chair shot network chair shot radio network original here. I, I got pretty much fourth member of the show, a man with his ear to the ground and a key to the kingdom. He's the Yinty Rob's Yang and the Pain in Rob's ass, Mr. Ray Cash from The Outsider's Edge. Sir, welcome back tonight. Still the greatest ever introduction ever. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What's well, up, we man? are beyond happy to have you back on here, man. I'm glad you I'm glad you were able to make it. I was, you know, kind of I knew that I know the invite was last minute, but I was glad you were able to make it on here.
2: Those normally those oftentimes be the best time to give me is last minute. Yeah. Cause, you know, you plan something and something pops up.
0: Yep. Oh so, yeah, it, it worked out That's that's just kind of the way it is Like I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this Nope, you're not going to do this kid <laughs> And last but never ever ever least From the Rob the Genius podcast The Minister of Truth The Father of Facts and Figures The Deacon of Data A man who definitely loves women's wrestling The official shoot bear of the Mindless Wrestling podcast And the man with the golden shovel However, I may take that golden shovel from him tonight Mr. Rob, how are you sir?
1: I'm doing good, and Ray, just to let you know, I am now a WrestleNomics subscriber.
2: I don't know why. Thurston talks the same shit you talk.
1: Oh, no, no, see, no, see, no, 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 no.
0: No, they they, talk that They talk that math language.
2: Right? Yep. I, hey, and for the record, I have a very, very heavy level of respect for Thurston and the shit he does. Um, he shows his bias from time to time, but when he's just talking like business, nobody's better.
1: Oh, yeah, look, no, he, 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 is, he is the best... Like finder of information, it's just yeah. He has some conclusions about some things that are just like okay, bro. Come on, <laughs>
2: hey man. Everybody, everybody got bias. We're gonna talk about it tonight. Trust me.
0: Yeah, we are. Uh, we're gonna talk some elimination chamber here, but then uh, we are gonna drag the golden shovel out. We're gonna get some blood on it tonight because uh, we we need to have a discussion coming out of elimination chamber. There was just a lot of discussions, a lot of egregiously bad takes. A lot of bad faith takes, and the wrestling media was definitely at the heart of a lot of that. Uh, We're going to break all that down here a little bit tonight. But first, we're going to get into the Elimination Chamber Premium Live event was this past Saturday. And uh, I got to say, man, from top to bottom, WWE cooked. Like, all the matches cooked. Everything felt important. Everybody on that show felt like a star. Like you know, some shows you watch and you can look at somebody's okay. That person really was just kind of there as filler. This person was there just to f- fill a role. Um, so, so you know it's coming. This was a show where everybody shined in their own way, in whatever role they were in. They shined. They felt important. They felt like stars. Um, start with Mister Cash. Just general general vibe on the show. What do you think?
2: This is why I am a firm believer and continuing to keep theme pay-per-views, and specifically Elimination Chamber between excuse me, um, Royal Rumble and WrestleMania, because it is the perfect I'm going to use the term palate cleanser. Right? It's a perfect palate cleanser. Uh, if you can't get through 30 men or women to get to WrestleMania, then you got to get through the most dangerous structure to get to WrestleMania. Makes Absolutely. Perfect sense. And it's also a perfect diversion so that we don't have 12, 13 weeks of Wrestler A won Roma versus Wrestler B who's champ. And you know wrestling and WWE in particular can kind of stray by the wayside and not tell a canonical story like they should with that much time. Do the A do a A story and then change it to the B story after Elimination Chamber. Now you just got 40 days. What's that? Five, six weeks? Yeah. That's 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 in the wheelhouse. The show was fired. Uh I like how you said that everybody hit everybody was a star on the show everybody even the refs shout out to Chad Patton taking them two bumps from Brock yep. it looks like everybody hit um the the only thing that's that's I'm, a, I'm I'm forgive me for being tangential I'll be quick um I'm a big believer in... I I I don't mind the WrestleMania if it's seven eight. I don't give a fuck. Because you know, turn it off, go back on, do what you want to do. You not if you're in the arena, you got a gripe. If you watch watching at home, pause that bitch. What are you doing? Right. But because I think everybody has a right to be on the show, or to be highlighted or something, because that is the show you work for, right? Um. So to see so many of those men kill themselves in that men's chamber. And to see so many of those women kill themselves in this women's chamber, and forty percent, forty percent of them won't even have a match at WrestleMania. It's a little sad to me.
0: Uh, we talked about that on the DWI podcast, and you know, Tony and I were both kind of in agreement. WrestleMania should be the I hate to use this word the elite show. The best of the best should make it to WrestleMania. And and there's a solid argument to be made there. And but again, we're talking about a show where people are basically drawing up the storylines going into WrestleMania. So there is room for wiggle to find a place for people on there, whether it's an Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal um or whatever the case may be, but the the main show, I I agree with the sentiment that this is your Super Bowl Of professional wrestling. And And,
2: and I'm okay okay now because the the structure has changed. If they make the Friday, just like the Raw after WrestleMania, they continue to make the Friday SmackDown before Mania since it's part of WrestleMania weekend now. Right. It used to be, but now with it being the the Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. If they make that a big show to the point where it's the pre-show, so to speak. Yeah. I can accept that too.
0: Right. Right. And I I think they're headed that that way because I remember talking about last year's WrestleMania and I think I made the comment. I'm like, we got four incredible nights. It's almost like WrestleMania lasts four days now. Yes. And 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 I agree with you if they're able to do that and they can get some of these people like, you know, I didn't win. Like, you know, if a Raquel Rodriguez, if there's no plan for her for WrestleMania, put her on SmackDown. Find something to do for her on Raw. Perfect example. Last last year was ricochet had
2: an intercontinental title match i believe yes and the andre the andre was on the show and that's when jay won yes yes and those are big big it was rick it was was it ricochet versus no finn was in the andre but it was ricochet against
0: some, who was it You're I don't right. know. ricochet defended against someone and for the life of me i yeah. cannot remember who it was when it, it, much like a ricochet match it was a banger it was it was yeah.
1: so so i can find that for you hello uh
0: so, Rob, yes. what were your thoughts on Elimination Chamber? I know you're kind of in the middle of digging for something, but. Okay. I mean, uh, hey,
2: overall, by the way, these are non, I'm sure these are non-Sammy Roman thoughts, right? This is, yeah, this, yeah, this, yeah, yeah, yeah no, no we're, we're, saving, was...
0: we're saving that until till the end. We're just going to burn through the card real quick. Yeah, um,
1: overall, okay, it's a overall good show. I like the better in the Royal Rumble, actually, from top to bottom, because, you know, I mean, I was critical about some of those matches on the Royal Rumble card. Um, wasn't. You know, I didn't have any I I wasn't I didn't I didn't I didn't finish with any anywhere near as any harsh of opinions in any of the matches here as I did on that show. Um you know, just no no 'cause we always everybody's got personal quibbles with this and that and the other. So of course I had a few, but you know, I mean, but at no point was I sitting there saying, you know, in my famous words, you know, this is shit. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> at at no point was I saying that during the show. Okay. Um so, yeah, overall, good show. Um, yeah, and like, Ray, I do kind of, sometimes when I see some of the stuff people are doing, um, on the one, there are times where I'm like, okay, y'all just did that to do it. Um, unless it's something that, like, Montez off the top of the cage, which is so spectacular, like, well, yeah, he just did that to do it, but who fucking cares?
0: It was awesome.
1: Right. Um, <laughs> but then, you know, but again, it's just, you know, stuff like, you know, but, you know, personal, Everybody's got personal quibbles with this or that. But overall, uh, yes, good show. Um I, it'd be nice if they could five matches is I mean, eight, nine matches is too long. Five matches, um, for me, you know, they could they could have got one or two more on there. Eh, um, possibly. Um yeah, but,
2: but you had three matches that was damn near an hour.
1: that's the only only thing yeah
0: and i think that rob's not a fan of long matches well those of you that are new here rob 20 minutes is rob's cutoff i mean Um, like
1: depending on what it is right there's certain matches i make an allowance for being longer my boy needs to take a nap speaking of which did you sleep through
0: the women's match rob no i did not (laughs) Cause, Cause they put well, them on first. I'm, I'm ripping you, brother. I know, I know, i I know. I know, you. I know, I know.
1: See,
0: I, you put them on first, so you get it out of the way. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, like, I, I gotta get, I gotta, I gotta get my Cornet
0: in person. I, I was about to say, I'm gonna change your name from Rob Burnett to Rob Cornet. They started off with the girls match. <laughs> they have six girls in the match at the same time. Why they got six girls in the cage? Why? That's, her, that's Rob Cornet for you, ladies and gentlemen. They got six girls in the cage. Before we get into that, I got to take a side road here for a minute and talk about Montez Ford's gear. Bianca Belair, my God, what just—I am in awe of her talent. And I, it, she posted something on Twitter Friday. She had to have a uh, an emergency sewing machine sent to the hotel yeah. so that she could work on his gear. And what she came up with was absolutely incredible. Aside from just being a, a top-level athlete. Top level entertainer. She's just talent after talent after talent. This girl is, A- and I am in awe of that.
1: Yeah, it was it, it was great. I mean, and like, I'm I'm glad that she like actually enjoys doing that, right? Yes. And, and she's not doing it as like some type of you know service or something, right? I mean, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah for Forced to do it, yeah. 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 The the, the cold thing is she might be the best seamstress, in the seamster, seamstress. An entire company, and she's the world champion. Yeah. And you did you you guys saw the video of of her? Um, she didn't get her gear ready for um war games in time, so she was yes. literally in the car and on the road <laughs> yes. selling shit together. Ridiculous! <laughs> While she's doing press, recording the uh, uh the damn um reality show they got now, wrestling every night. Like what? <laughs> Taking yeah. care of kids because you know Tez, her and Tez got two kids. Like, yeah. what are you
0: doing? Yeah, and you know what? That's just that's a seamstress, and that's how I know she's a real seamstress because I live with one. Tina does all our Ren Fair costumes and stuff like that. And I was showing her what he, what she came up. She's like, "Holy crap, that's really good!" And then I showed her the because she posted video of her in this in the hotel sewing his gear. <laughs> Just amazing stuff, just absolute pop for that moment right there.
1: Because yeah. my mom used to make uh, when I was little, my mom made some Halloween costumes for us, yeah. Like that. And yeah, so
0: I'm just in awe of that talent because I can't even sew a button back on a shirt. So,
1: oh, no, yeah, I'm yeah, me either. Because I'm useless. If I lose a button to a shirt, I look and see it's like, okay, do I need that one? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and if I don't, if it's like at the very bottom, or as long as it's not like the neck will be like wide open or the the bottom part will be wide open something i'm like whatever
0: can can i tuck this shirt in yeah or can i wear the button one button lower that's i've I've done that game too or
1: now now you can just you can i mean nowadays you you can wear like the shirt open with a t-shirt underneath or whatever and it's fine so i you know yep (laughs)
0: All right, well, let's get into the show here real quick. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna kick it off with the the women's elimination chamber match: Raquel R- Rodriguez, Nikki Cross, Liv Morgan, Asuka, Natalia, and Carmella. Uh, the girls delivered, man. I thought this was everything that that I was hoping it would be. And and again, everyone looked like stars. Raquel went out, displayed her power, uh, went out looking like an absolute beast when she got you know double pinned by Asuka and Carmella. I thought that was I thought that was clever too. Because they double teamed her, knocked her down, and then they both hooked up. And they sunk it in deep, too. It wasn't even like they just like hooked a leg and tried to pin her. They both sunk it in deep, so there was no way that Raquel was getting out of that. I I thought it was absolutely incredible. Um, Rob, any thoughts on this match? Uh,
1: well, I think, okay, you could tell. If you want a difference between how like Vince laying something out and Hunter doing it, I think Vince would have had Raquel kill everybody except Oscar, and then Oscar would have beat her. Yeah. All right, it was something like that. And um yeah, it would have been something like that Vince was in charge. So this is to me this is one of the ones where you can like I said everybody got to do something. Yeah. Every, everybody got to do something to make them look good in the match. Um and so to that I think that's good. Um my only th- just now the eliminations... And this is what happened in Royal Rumble also like they left too many people in there for too long. And then, then they had to get people out of there really fast.
0: I was going to bring that up after we we got Ray's, uh, Ray's yeah, thoughts on this. Because that happened I in the women's to, rumble. I wanted also. to pick your brains on that one for a minute.
1: Yeah, because that, that, that happened in women's rumble. Also, like there was like a minute or two left, and they had like ten women left in the rumble. They just had, and they just had to start getting people out of there. And um, and the same thing happened here. And so, I mean, I mean, if you're, if you're grading a match like a movie critic, you know, then that does kind of take away from it. Yes. Um, yeah but overall i mean it was it was a good match and again everybody got to do something now my favorite women's chamber match was the the tag team one they did you know back in like, yeah. 2019. Yeah. that one and then the one where shana killed everybody Those are that my, was a my, lot of fun those are man. my two favorite ones I was, okay. I was
2: i was there for that no it wasn't i was there for that one i was there for
1: i think i was there for <clears throat> the one alexa won. Oh okay yeah. Oh, okay yeah but, I, but yeah, no, I'm partial to the one where Shayna killed everybody, even though people pissed off it. about it. My well, favorite
0: moment of that match, I love when people get their characters. is destroying everybody, and you've got Asuka, because Asuka, I think, was the last one that came out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Asuka is in her pod like a feral animal. And it's Shayna, but she's watching these women get slaughtered by Shayna Baszler, and she's like, I don't give a fuck. Because when I get out of this cage, your ass is mine. I don't care who you are, and and I just I love that she gets her character like that. It's it's so much fun, and that was my favorite moment of that whole that particular Elimination Chamber match. But getting back to this one, Mr. Cash, what were your thoughts on the women's match? You know, matches are more
2: interesting to me when you to honestly the more interesting to me when you know who's going to win, because the suspense is gone and you can just enjoy the match and see how they do it. Right. And I think most people had a pretty strong understanding.
0: I'm gonna call it. back to that thought in a minute. But later okay. on in the show. Go ahead.
2: Sure. Most people had, had a pretty good understanding that Oscar was gonna win. <clears throat> um, and that's no disrespect to anybody else in the in the match. Well, Natty, notwithstanding. Not no disrespect to the other four. Cause like, you know, they all had, are women's champion material of if they already have been women's champions. But you know, um, so just getting a chance to watch it, number one, Carmella and uh, Carmella continues to show what her and Alexa have over every other woman on the division, and that's they know how to play a character.
0: Yep.
2: Right for all of the drama and the hate that they've gotten over the years because they don't bump well or they don't run the ropes right or they're they're uh, you know they're they're paint by numbers and they're counting and you can see they tell stories fantastically. Carmela was a star of the of the chamber to me. She was a star. Um, and by the way, shout out to her. She's laying them super kicks in now. Oh yeah. She has to miss you completely. She's laying them things in now.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, I also want to give some love to Rob's favorite person,
1: Liv Morgan. Okay. Right, come on. Can we just okay? Because <laughs> y'all have branded me like y'all have branded me in Liv Morgan's favor. <laughs> I am not a Liv Morgan hater. I do not uh, hate Liv Morgan, okay? You did it. You don't.
2: But but I, I, I want to touch on that for this one point. Because for all of the shit we give you, your your issues with her were right at the time. Because Liv didn't have a character. She was just, I'm happy to be here.
1: Well, that wasn't my issue. My, my issue was just that she's good. Don't call her great. That's my issue. Well, that was I mean, that's fair, too. I don't think that's a problem. But I But, but that's I, my
2: only issue. People they, don't call her she's good. Don't call her great. That's my well, issue. She's, that's she's it. She's on the verge of greatness right now, she, I think. You, you know, know what?
0: I got to side with Ray on this one. On the verge Liv of Morgan it. in the last... Losing the SmackDown Women's Championship Greatest was thing the ever best to thing her. to happen to Liv Morgan. Yep. Absolutely agree with you, Ray.
2: And there are some wrestlers who are most people, and there are some wrestlers who are... I'm I'm going to tell the story with my body. Yeah. Liv tells the story with her body. So now this... The one, the one criticism I came on this very show and had about Liv was if you had to explain Liv to a person that's never watched wrestling, what's her gimmick? What do you explain her as? What is, what, what is she? What is her motivation? You couldn't. Yeah. Now her motivation is she will never give up. She's feisty. She is fearless and will not not hardcore in the sense of a Shotzi who will j- throw herself off a 90-foot building. But she will use her body to her. It's almost Raven-esque. Yeah, like you know, it's like she's <clears throat> almost like a um uh uh masochistic. Yeah. In a way, right? And so the way she got eliminated needs to be put on her, her highlight reel for the rest of her career. Yeah. With her getting her her get in the sharpshooter and in Oscars um and the little, Tommaso Champa. I don't know what they call it. Yeah. The shoulder thingy.
0: Yeah, it's it's a version of the uh, the cross face.
2: And her passing out while smiling? Dog. Yeah. She got it, bro. She does. She got it. She figured figured it it out out now. She's the same jinx, right? Yep.
0: I got you.
2: And also, real quick, I'm going to give it to you because I'm done. When they give give Raquel the ball, get the fuck out the way because she's ready.
0: Yeah. Uh, Raquel's another one who, you know, when they first brought her up from NXT, I'm like, I don't know she's ready to – if she's done cooking, she's done cooking. She, I just she's ready.
2: Hope, I just hope she doesn't get the Big Show treatment because she's honestly a better face than a heel to me. Agreed. She can play a well heel, but she's a better face. I just hope they don't ruin her career. with, with
0: the, Yeah, like, they, they and that would be a mistake. If you flip-flop her depending on what you need her for that month, I, I'd hate to see that. All right, let's move on to uh, a tag team match, a um, mixed tag team match. The Grit Couple, Edge and Beth Phoenix, Versus Finn Bauer and Rhea Ripley of Judgment Day. Um, <clears throat> I, I got to say, this was this match was fun. This match was a lot of fun. It was good seeing Beth Phoenix back in there. I think Beth looked incredible. Um, it's all in all, uh, this one I, I think we were split on this panel. I think I can't remember. Rob, correct me if I'm wrong. I think at least one of us picked um, Finn and Rhea to win. Um, simply because we pretty much knew Damian Priest wasn't going to win, and we didn't have, we didn't want a clean sweep over Judgment Day. But mm. yeah, the uh, the grit couple ended up taking this one home. Rob, what were your thoughts on this match? Did you enjoy this one, or was it just kind of there?
1: Well I, well, I guess I wasn't interested in it. So okay, it's not good or bad. Or, it was a from, yeah. I mean, it was a fun match from what was going on. Um, yeah, just I guess. Look, for this for this show in particular. Um, there were like a couple of things that was like fixated on. I was fixated on the main event. Uh, I was fixated on, you know, uh, how they were going to finish the men's chamber match and, and how Brock and Bobby was going to go. Um, Mm -hmm. I figured, and so this one, I just, honestly, I mean, I watched it and it was good fun and all of that, but I just, I wasn't really like fixated on it to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, so but from you know, but I mean I paid enough attention to see that it was good, you
0: know. Okay. Ray, any thoughts on this match?
2: Yeah, man. So number one, uh Edge really sneakily makes you forget he's Canadian. Yeah. Like I forgot, and then when they start singing Metalingus, you're like, oh yeah, he's from there. Yeah. <laughs> um also, Edge, Pat, Edge uh, slapping best ass whenever they come out will never not be funny. Uh, that is that so is. good. When <laughs> they did that
0: on Raw a couple weeks ago and he smacked her on the ass and she's giving him the look for on the way to the <laughs> ring, I dude, I popped for that.
2: <laughs> so I, I, I want to give Edge some flowers real fast for one thing that I don't think nobody talks about enough. You know, we, Edge, grew up in, uh, Edge grew up in wrestling, in an era where women were treated as uh, more objectified than they ever have been. Yeah, they never were. And now, if you notice, every Edge match, Jessica Carr is his ref. Every match. He even brought her to Saudi, and she, she refed she her first match at Edge match. She, the first, she was the first woman to ever ref for Hell in a Cell, him versus Rollins. And so he, he, he pushes her, and look at how he has built up Rhea, and vice versa, how Finn has allowed uh, Beth like that double powerbomb spot when it was the two women powerbombing the dude, yeah. Or that they, I hate the new age, this new version of uh mixed tag matches because it's not mixed tag matches because <clears throat> it's like if I tag out, then you gotta tag out, yeah. But they played it to where the tags made sense. Like the very first tag when um uh, he tagged Beth then and did the whip tour in the in the corner, and then she got down to the Matt Hardy spot so they could do the poetry in motion. Yeah. And then Finn just happened to fall over there and tag rear end. Like, I appreciate that Edge seemingly has a concerted effort to treat women as equals. I appreciate that more than any other dude on the roster. Yeah. And and I I truly appreciate that because I don't know if anybody else is speaking about that. And most importantly, Dominic Mysterio is the greatest thing in professional wrestling right now next to the tribal Chief.
0: You know what? I got to I got I to gotta agree there. He is. Rob said it on this show one time. They are making his biggest weakness, his biggest strength.
2: Paul, the Paul Hammond effect.
0: Yeah. His, your positives and hides your weaknesses. His biggest weakness is that he sucks. And I'm not saying he sucks in, in the sense of that he's terrible in the ring. It's just he he's a dork. Like he really is a dork, and they found a way to make that. Like every time he talks about how you know, I was locked up, and you know, plays up the fact that he was in jail and all this stuff. And the the, the Valentine's Day dinner thing was freaking hilarious. Oh, when my boy said, <laughs> "Can I get your finest chicken?"
2: So am <laughs> <laughs> laughing when he. T- <laughs> You know I can get you some wine. You know I used to make wine back in the toilets when I was locked up. Shut up, Donald. <laughs> <laughs> and and have you seen the
0: teardrop? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he oh, has, le- and I have said that on this show for the longest time. When you lean into the ridiculous all the way, it fucking works. Yeah. And he has leaned all the way in on this, and it's. Yeah. I agree with you. It's absolutely incredible. And whoever came up with that whole idea, give him a raise, man.
1: Yeah, because um, I've said before, like, the biggest thing was he's he's a buster, basically.
0: Yeah. That,
1: that's that's yeah. what he is. And so when he was trying to be a good wrestler, it just it sucked.
0: But to your point there, Rob, they figured out his strengths and kind of weeded out his weaknesses in the ring. Because one thing we agreed, he was trying to do some of the Rey Mysterio stuff he's too tall and he's too kind of lumber so he kind of was lumbering in the ring during those times and i i understand he was still kind of a work in progress and everything but now the and you had made the comment the stuff he does doesn't look like it's really effective i i would i would disagree with that statement today well he does different he does different stuff now though exactly he's so... not trying to emulate his dad he's just trying to be him and the stuff he's doing is looking good. It's looking like I buy. Okay, yeah, that could have hurt. You know, that could have yeah. that could have done some damage.
1: Yeah, like in to go uh, off on a tangent here, was, like somebody I think of like this, um, Lacey Evans. When Lacey Evans, when she just when she stands there and just beats people up and puts them in the Cobra clutch and stomps on people and whatever, yeah. it looks really yeah. good.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: When she tries to do when she tries to be a quote unquote wrestler, it looks bad.
0: Yeah, well, that's why uh, she's better as a heel. Yeah, Lacey Evans. He- Lacey Evans is one hundred percent better as a heel. Yeah,
1: but as far as but in the, but when she's in there, yeah, but the same things like stick to the shit that, that you can make look good and not try to do other stuff. And with Dominic, he look. He's not Ray. He's not fast enough to be Ray. Right. Um. To do Ray shit, you got to be fast. He ain't fast. He probably never will be. But he's us slow. People stay slow. All right? He's um. Un-
2: he's unburdened now from having to be Ray Mysterio Jr., or the yep. third, I guess you could say. Um, he's unburdened from that. And any, any wrestler who's a second-generation wrestler who has been endorsed by their parent has tried to do the I'm my dad or I'm my mom thing. All of them. Rock did. Rocky Maivia, he tried to be Rocky Johnson. His finishing move before the shoulder breaker was the Rocky Shuffle, right? Yeah. Axel. Tried his best to be Mr. Perfect. Damn sure not Kurt. Like all of them. It works for people like Charlotte for Randy because they're Uber Stars. Dominic had to figure it out. But unfortunately, his dad is the greatest luchador of, of all time, who's four foot seven. Yeah. So um, but also his real dad is Eddie Guerrero and his godfather is Conan. He remembered <laughs> that all of a sudden. Oh my god. <laughs> That's
0: hilarious. Anyway, one thing I one thing about the finish, and I didn't think about it until after the fact. Natalia was not winning the uh, the women's elimination chamber match. Yeah, we knew what was coming at the end. That hometown crowd had to have one match where they went home happy, where the hometown where the hometown people got the win, and this was the match where they where they did that. So no surprise on the finish on this one. And what was a fun match?
1: And it's another. between Vince and Hunter because Vince would have said "fuck you, Montreal" and
0: <laughs> yes, <laughs> Judgment <laughs> Day would have. <laughs> Rhea Ripley would have one hundred percent pinned Beth Phoenix in Montreal.
2: <laughs> but it's also smart too because Rhea doesn't need. I know people are going kind to of disagree with this, but Rhea number one, Rhea beat the hell out of Edge and and, and Beth. Yeah. So Rhea didn't have nothing to do with the loss, but more importantly. Rhea is so big and strong and so dominant that she didn't need uh, just a gimmick win to build her up. Right. and opinion. She's
0: already got a clear path to WrestleMania. Yeah. This is just a bump in the road. Yeah. So no no, no big deal there for Rhea Ripley. She's going to be fine. All right, it's Hoss fight time. This was a match I was looking forward to, and I think we all called Wait. for the fuck finish on this one. Well, you know
1: what? I do, I do have to go back on what I said earlier. This, this was the one time I did say this is shit.
0: Thank you. I'm. I'm Somebody speak on it. Okay, okay. All right. Well, I'll let you guys speak on it. Uh, we were all looking forward to the Haas fight, Brock Lesnar versus Bobby Lashley. This one left me a little bit confused because we went into this for weeks, then building up Bobby Lashley as the potential heel. You know, it's a he's jumping Brock, he's you know ducking Brock, and everything like that. The end of the the finish of this match left Brock Lesnar looking like the heel. Um, I didn't dislike the the physical connection between the two guys. I could watch Brock and Leslie or Le- Lesnar Lesnar and Lashley. I I made one wrestler. It was one dude. It was Leslie. It was just one guy. It was Brock Bobby Leslie. It's one dude now. Um
1: well, Bobby from Colorado. He's probably wore a cowboy hat a couple of times. So. <laughs> yeah. I would love
0: to see I would love to see Lashley out there with Lesnar's cowboy hat on. That would be spectacular. Um, I, I like whatever these two lock up. The finish is what I had a problem with. And we knew there was going to be a fuck finish. But I, I'm i not sure if I cared for how they got out of this one. Uh, Rob, we'll start with you. Go ahead and speak on it.
1: Okay, because one, it was, the match was less than five minutes. Um, yeah. That, I didn't like that. Well, um, they were
0: obviously leaving it wide open for a WrestleMania, whatever they're going to do.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's just, uh, hold
0: that thought. I'm, I'm going to
2: speak on that. Okay. All right, all right.
0: But
1: I just, for one... I've been kind of puzzled by what how they've been doing Bobby for a while now because if you go back to they back go back to Hell in a Cell like he won the handicap match they had finally gotten people to cheer for the man like 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 I'm sure they wanted all along right they'd finally gotten that to work and he was you know then the rest of the summer he was wrestling Austin Theory and people were cheering for him and. And and it worked, and everything was working. And then, you know, then then they had Brock attack him, and Brock, nobody's booing Cowboy Brock right now. So you put Bobby in there with Brock, and he's going to get booed by people because nobody's booing Brock right now. So that messed up all the, the work they had done to finally get the man cheered by the audience. But then, after the Brock thing is done, then you put him back in there with, Seth in theory, and Seth is still working heel at the time. So now Bobby is kind of sort of babyface because he's in there with two heels, and then he goes back to working like a babyface again. And then now they bring the now the, you know the Brock thing goes on again, and now they got Bobby acting like a full-blown heel. <clears throat> but then now we get to this match, and Brock does a heel move to get out of losing. And like, what are we doing? Look, um, we need to pick something here. And when we you talk about like Big Show, how you know the flipping and flopping, how it ultimately hurt him. Um, I don't think that I don't, I don't think Bobby's been hurt by it yet, but they got to pick something with him. Um, all right, and obviously, look, they've been hinting at you know the hurt business, getting the band back together, and. And, like, when that happens, I guess – well, then look, when that happens, I mean, they will probably be heels, but people are going to cheer for him because, you, know, you know, all that. But I don't know. I mean, like, it just – its con- I don't know what they're doing with Bobby. I mean, it feels like they just – it feels like they don't know what to do. That, you know, they don't know what direction to pick for him at the moment. And, you know, and then – I mean, he's working heel leading up to this match. So why is Brock doing the heel move of kicking him in the nuts to get out of losing? Um and it just it made no sense. And then and then, you know, Brock F fives everybody. That's like, you know, that's kinda like that's basically, you know, Hogan must pose, right? After the match. And then so it's like, What you know, what what are we doing here? And and all you know, and we keep and all this keeps happening because we're being promised, you know, or supposedly being promised that okay, guys. They're gonna have the big epic match that we've been telling you they're gonna have where they're they're gonna have it just next time, you know next time they're gonna have it, right, <laughs> so it's and, a similar
0: situation for you like the cage match was with with uh Becky and Bailey a few weeks back
1: yeah and uh, and and the discussion okay, well guys, next time okay next next time next next time we promise you we're gonna to give them fifteen minutes and they're gonna go kill each other and do everything and everything and all that, and it's gonna be the greatest match ever. we promise you guys. Next time. Right. And that's how it feels. And, you know, at this point, I'm not trusting them to deliver on next time.
2: All right. Mr. Cash. I have a lot of the same sentiments. Um, a lot of the same sentiments. I, the one disagreement, I think, though, is that this is this. This is this is a, this is a feud that I don't think you can look at as hillface because Brock is cheered by the crowd, but he's the antagonist because Brock is calling out Bobby, Brock is jumping Bobby and all this. Bobby came out when, this feud, when, when it came back out. Remember, the whole thing reheated up because Brock just came out of nowhere and just F-5 Bobby. Yes. Right? And then Brock got mad because Bobby eliminated him from the Royal Rumble. But when he came out with the, with the promo where he said, I got a contract, Bobby came out and said, like someone who's actually thinking with sense said, I'm letting my people look at it. Why should I want the match? I beat you once. When you beat me, it's cause you cheated. Why should I want another match? I'm better than you. Mm-hmm. Um so the dynamics keep changing. Excuse me. And Brock is in that untouchable realm where he can do heal like Randy Orton is in this realm, where he can do heelish things. Eddie Guerrero, I guess you could say too. <clears throat> he can do heelish things as a babyface. Austin is there too, because his character is feral wi- wild man essentially, right? And so the reason Cowboy Brock works because the ca- he's trying to suppress the crazy, yeah, because he liked the people now, whereas before. The only thing I could suppress the crazy was Paul Heyman, right? Right. So so now when the crazy come out, that's Brock. But we love him now because he's acknowledging us now, right? Yeah. Pardon the pun. Um, My issue is not with the – I'm really tired of these Godzilla versus Kong-esque matches that are nothing but finisher, 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 finisher. It's like I'm playing 2K. I'm tired of them. But I get that a lot of people like them, so I'm not going to complain about that. The only issue I have with this match, one singular issue, is that y'all had Bray and Uncle Howdy come out and say I'm I'm fighting the winner. Oh, that too, yeah. And I... then you just did a fuck finish that left. If, if, if Bray and Uncle Howdy had never come out, I would be singing the praises of what that finish could have possibly been, because that pra- that could lead to the final match of WrestleMania: Fight, Pit, Ultimate Challenge and an octagon, something. <clears throat> no the barred. Something right. where they can have the final match, right? Mm-hmm. But now you've muddled the waters because you know Bobby's going to want to get back. You know Brock is unstable as I don't know what. And then you've got the Supernatural guys out here saying, oh, yeah, brother, I'm coming after y'all now. Like, I'm so confused. And it's, wrestling is good when you have more... Questions and answers, but it's bad when your questions are because you're
0: confused. Right. But yeah, you can question certain aspects of a story, but when the story itself is confusing, and and that's I didn't see. I haven't watched SmackDown yet. I just had a busy weekend, but I followed on Twitter, and somebody's like, you know, he just Bray Wyatt challenged the. I'm like, where does Bray Wyatt even fit into that, like, sphere? Oh like right. it's, it's and it's not even one of those like shocking things. Where we go, oh my God, he challenged Brock Lesnar. It's like, no, why would he challenge Brock or Bobby? Like, where's the connection? Uh, for the, all intents and purposes, Bobby works on Raw. Bray works on SmackDown, and Brock works whenever Brock feels like coming to work. But well, what's the motivation? That's there's none. Point. That that's my point. You know, there's none. There there's no motivation for. Bray Wyatt to be after either one of these guys. There's no connection there whatsoever. I mean, I'm sure they maybe there's somewhere. You know, if we want long term storytelling, maybe something happened three or four years ago that they could tie well, it all together. Brock and Bobby was not Brock and Bobby. Brock and Bray was
2: supposed to have a WrestleMania match. The year it was Brock and Ambrose, and they okay. broke the hot. That's
1: right. Yeah, yeah.
0: that's but right. That was, and I think
1: that was Swamp Leader Bray though. That was not. That was Bax. not. All so that, so that was that was more that. That could have made sense and that was more believable or whatever. Um, you know, because look, everybody was joking over the weekend and, you know, can't wait to see Brock no sell all of the Uncle Howdy shit. Yeah. Right. He's gonna do it. <laughs> right, okay, right. I mean, <laughs> I mean um, yeah. Right. So I don't know. So w- w- what's going on? Um, you know, so either, yeah, I mean, is it, Yeah, I mean, is he going to do something with Brock? Bobby is like the absolute last person I would put in there to, within the Uncle Howdy shit.
0: Nah, like, I, I mean, unless it's something that Brock said. Hey, let me, because you know Brock and Brock has gone on record as saying, "Look, I'm an entertainer," and I think there's part of him that, while he, you know, has openly said he's an introvert, he's here for business. I also think he understands the value of good entertainment, and if he personally. Thinks there's something entertaining to be had, because let's face it, Brock ain't working Bray Wyatt unless he wants to. If Brock works into the into the front office and says, "Look, I ain't working this guy," he ain't working this guy. Yeah. So if he's working Bray Wyatt, it's because he either requested it or it was suggested to him and said, "Yeah, I can make money with this guy."
1: And there's there's one there's one other person on the roster who has those. Privileges and does the same oh, thing. God. Yep. Come on,
0: man. It's there he is. Damn, he had to
1: get his two damn early. No, a... <laughs> no, no, no. I didn't say no, 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 I'm not no, I'm not doing that. No. Talking about Ronda Rousey.
0: Oh, okay. No, 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 <laughs> no. I thought this was gonna be a shoehorn no. Charlotte
1: moment. No, but no, Ronda is because yeah, you know, Rhonda just basically spills everything on her live stream, just totally kills yeah. the business. So um, <laughs> you know, um, she's—I mean, she said point blank, like, "Look, you know, they I get to pick whoever I want to work with." You know, yeah. And you know, and
0: uh, oh, when you got that kind of cachet, yeah. and you're that kind of draw. I don't—I respect the hustle personally. Yeah, I don't begrudge I mean, the, the, oh no, not at all. Yeah. yeah.
1: You're uh, making that
0: company money. Why shouldn't you call your And look,
1: look, honestly, when you when you get to a certain point in your career, if you've and you've earned and you've put into work and you've, you know, proven yourself over and over again, you absolutely shouldn't say, you know, yeah, this person is cool, that one, not so much. You know? Yeah. Yeah.
2: So. And I, I I think I think the, the final takeaway for me is that they're paying Bo Dallas so much money to wear this damn mask that he he, he gotta take some bumps from somebody else's worth.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, it was like there's like Rock a Denzel on. thing, I'm leaving with something. Like, somebody I'm leaving it me. with something. Somebody's going like, to like, <laughs> throw you around, damn it, okay? Somebody's, you know.
0: uh, all right, let's move on here. The United States Championship up for grabs in an Elimination Chamber match. Champion Austin Theory versus Seth Rollins versus Johnny Gargano. Bronson Reed, Damian Priest, Montez Ford uh man these guys delivered and again this is another one of those matches where every single person and it looked like an absolute star we started off with Seth Rollins and Johnny gargano so we got some really good wrestling early on uh they they really there was a lot of questions going into this as to whether or not because there's been kind of some sentiment that Bronson Reed from a certain sect of the internet wrestling community they don't know what they're doing with Bronson Reed. They don't know what they're doing with Johnny Gargano. They found something for both guys to do on Saturday night. Bronson Reed looked like a freaking beast, man. He looked like an absolute animal in there. Johnny had some really good interactive moments with Seth, had some really good wrestling moments, pulled off some really good, really cool spots. Like, holy crap, that um, Hurricane Rana off the top of the pod when Seth had him up, looked like he was going for the power bomb on him, and Johnny—I thought Johnny broke himself because they both came down. Johnny, I think Johnny got the worst of that whole thing because I think he hit Priest on the way down. Yeah. Seth, you know, got launched into a pile of bodies. Uh, it just absolutely incredible. I, I think all, and I said on the Dwy podcast that I would have been okay with any one of these six guys winning this match. Uh, Austin Theory retains, and in from a. Overall spectacle, for me, this was match of the night. Ray, what do you think?
2: So this is the one match I want to go back and rewatch because there are parts of it I missed just in the night. But the overarching theme of the night is I think this is this match was – Rob said something that was really salient to me that stuck with me all so far in this entire show, is, but it was that you can see the difference between that the old man was booking and laying this out and how Hunter landed out because – Everybody got their chance to shine. Yep, genuinely. But the thing that sticks with me, and I, I know Rob is gonna love it about Montez as he should. We did that a little bit on the pre-show. All the flowers, right? Oh yes, all the flowers. Um, but this is the beauty. this is the. A lot of us criticized Hunter bringing back everybody all at once seemingly with no rhyme or reason, right? I did. And I was happy with everybody he brought back, but it just seemed like too much too soon with, like, no reason. This is the reason why he brought those people back. There is a... There is, there is a... There is a, a positive to having a level of depth they have now that cannot be understated and that can only be appreciated either when someone's injured or in a match like this. Because you just talked about how Bronson Reed, and he's been getting, a, he's not fighting Okada anymore because he beat Okada, right? Right. And he's only been there two months or so, and he's only had a handful of matches. All his matches have been really good for what they're supposed to be, right? Right. But Bronson Reed would be, probably be one of the top guys in Impact or in New Japan Strong, probably. But he's almost a utility player, excuse me, on the Raw. But... When he gets the opportunity, he shows who he is, and he'll get continue to get opportunities. But the level of depth they have now that they can literally just flex with saying, "Oh yeah, the second uh, chamber match, yeah, we just we, we throw these guys in there." The third, the third dude in Judgment Day, the high flyer from this tag team champs, the big dude who wrestled three matches. The, the developmental dude who we called up because he came back like they just and but they are superstars. And everybody does you don't have to be Roman Reigns or Charlotte or Bianca, the the top of the top of the top to be successful. You know? Every, you don't have to be the world champion to be successful. And this match I think was perfect indication of that because everybody showed out. Everybody showed their worth, and they they earned a lot of fans. I think all six of them did. Well, Seth, everybody loves Seth. But they earned, the mother five
0: earned, a, even even Theory. Man, we're going to have to have a discussion about Theory, because there's a lot of people out there with just some egregiously bad takes about Austin well, Theory.
2: yeah. That's something I really want to, because I don't want to say I told you so, but then we can talk about it another day.
0: Yeah, no, we had that discussion well, on this show. Oh, Actually, yeah, had, the episode yeah. was called A Theory of a Debate. And yeah. you can find that on the ChairShot, you know, radio network at the chairshot.com where we encourage you to always use your head. A
2: little patience. Never yes. hurt nobody.
1: Yeah. Well, because and, and like we said, look, I mean, people thought that well he's he was Vince's boy, not Hunter's boy, and we, we knew that wasn't true. Um and just a million other things. Right. Um like um I really thought it was very just Outstanding when you know when first I thought Montez was really hurt for a minute there. Mm-hmm.
0: What but a worker then, that guy
1: is. But then all right, but then as you know, the longer they took to kind of get him out of there, I was like, okay, no, he's okay. <laughs> but then but then it kind of dawned on me because we all thought everybody, you know, because then because like, oh, the door's wide open, here comes Logan Paul's coming in, right? And it was part. it was just an ingenious way to give him the opening to run in instead of having him do something convoluted, like, you know, get some bolt cutters and run in the cage or something or right?
2: like, like Sean did uh, in the chamber where he came from underneath it.
1: Yeah. 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 Instead of, yeah. Instead of doing something convoluted and just dumb, like the, you know, they had that moment, the, the door was wide open for him to run in there. And that was just, yeah, that was a really ingenious way of doing that. And I, you know, take my hat off to them for coming up with that idea. Because I mean, cause I mean, a lot of people thought that, well, Logan Paul is going to do something to get Seth out of there. Yeah. But the question was, well, what is he going to do? How's he going to get in the cage? Right. Mm -hmm. And so they kept coming up with that was just perfect to give the, for the, just the door to be open just because they got to get the hurt guy out of there. So they leave the door wide open forever instead of just some stupid spot where the, where the door just gets left open right
0: right um,
1: and then so that just that was the perfect thing and then logan paul coming in there and doing and then at the very end also so he calls seth rollins the match not just eliminates him but he cost him like the united states title because he was the last guy in there with him um so yeah i mean they did you know um to me this was like as far as just in terms of work and like doing stuff in a match this was like yeah this was the best match of the night and then also for me just um like okay well last year's men's chamber match that was the wrong way to have somebody kill everybody because oh brock yeah i mean because well because we've already seen brock kill everybody and whereas when when shana did it it was kind of like her coming out party right yeah with brock it's like we've
0: seen brock kill people although i gotta say the interactions with him and austin theory and that part no that part that was spectacular with brock spider-man climbing up the the inside of the cell i'd never seen that man move that fast in my life (laughs) that
1: that part that part was really good but like everything that happened before that was just like and like yeah and, and they rushed through it all he just eliminated everybody real quickly um so this was just a contrast to that everybody got something to do um Nobody looked like a chump in there, you know. And um, again, like the finish was just excellent. And you know, and then Austin Theory escaping, and and some people are taking issue with well, Austin Theory winning the way he wins. Well, this is what he's supposed to do. He's, he's a heel. heel
0: we're going to talk about that a little bit later too, because I think people don't
1: understand that he's a heel champion. He is not supposed to win fairly. Heals are going to heal. And, I mean, unless I, you're unless you're somebody like Brock Lesnar who is, you know, towers over everybody, you can just you know whatever. But if you're not that, then yes, you're going to cheat. You're going to do Weasley shit to win. I mean, you know,
2: I, I take a little umbrage in Brock winning, not in Brock and Theory winning though. I take a, just a little umbrage, only because, and this this is maybe the purest in me. Theory clear, t- clearly, clearly we're leading theory versus Cena. Yeah,
0: yeah.
2: That match don't need a title. Does you could have? I don't. It, it doesn't need a title. I don't think. So I, look, finish your thought. Out. Go ahead. Go ahead. Hear me out. I don't think it needs a title because you could use that title to elevate something else, right? And theory Cena has years of 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 feud worth on, on its own. But the one thing that will save it for me, theory, Cena. Cena wins the title, Royal to WrestleMania open challenge, and Switchblade Jay J White comes out and destroys Cena. I'm cool with it then, right? But I just don't think unless it's a, if it's a if it was a world title and Cena was fighting for it, hey. Yes. That's John motherfucking Cena. This is John Mother this is John Felix Anthony Cena Jr. He coming back to fight Theory for the U.S. title?
1: Well, see, so I, th- I don't think. I think by the time they have the match, he Theory won't win champion.
0: The only I thing I would say to that: Why would he, some have, of why, the why best, would he lose
2: it? Not if that's, then he should have lost in the Elimination Chamber. I'm sorry,
0: DJ. Some of the best work of John Cena's career arguably was Agreed. his U.S. Championship run. Agree. The John Cena Open Challenge. Was uh, he introduced Kevin Owens to the roster? He introduced Sami Zayn to the roster. He had an incredible feud with uh, Miro over that thing. John Cena put in work with that U.S. Oh, really? Championship. I think you can build an entire program around that, and I think Theory's starting to do that because didn't he, he do an open challenge this week on on Raw?
1: Well, yeah, yeah, and yeah, no, because well, Edge answered it at, after the Chamber show,
0: actually. Right. So I, I definitely think I, I do does it need it? Yeah, probably not, but I'm not bothered if they build a feud around that US championship simply because of the work that John Cena put in for that. Because, dude, the before John Cena took that thing over, let's be honest, that thing was about a step above the 24 7 championship. You know, it really was. I'm not saying not, you know, slighting anybody who held that thing, but people didn't give a shit about that US championship. For the longest time before John sure. Cena took it, built it up, made it prestigious again, and it's now it's stayed elevated at a level to where now you had Bobby Lashley, you had uh, Apollo yeah. Crews. they yeah. they yeah. built yeah. some real talent on that belt now. Yeah. So, yeah. does it need it? No, but I, I it does. Just my opinion.
2: You remember I said at the beginning of the, of the show, uh, it's going to be a shame that. Forty percent of the people in this, in those two chamber matches aren't going to have WrestleMania matches. Yeah, you could have had a multi man match for the
0: U.S. title. Well, we're still five weeks out. They may, they may still. I'll we're be not very there upset yet.
2: now if Theory loses the title between now and WrestleMania. I'll be very upset because I don't to lose titles between this, and I know we're I know we're moving to this to to the main event. Yeah, to lose titles between WrestleMania, the Rumble of Mania is the dumbest shit in the world to me unless it is for a specific storyline reason or real life
0: yeah if somebody like, gets hurt or something like that
2: yeah or right. or like i remember jericho beat jericho won the chamber um when taker was world champ <clears throat> um so they could do jericho
0: edge and taker could retire Shawn michaels yeah that that make that's a good story that's good storytelling yeah Oh. All right, we are going to move on to the main event of the night, and we're going to have a two-pronged discussion on this. First, we're going to talk about the match itself. Uh, undisputed WWE Universal Championship up-for-grabs champion Roman Reigns versus emotional, emotionally charged challenger Sami Zayn, the hometown boy <laughs> uh, for now i just want to talk about the match itself uh we're going to talk about the aftermath and the the sentiment from not only the wrestling journalists but some of the iwc at the tail end of this discussion i want to talk about the mechanics of the match because this was just top-notch grade a storytelling from two of the best in the game and there was a guy that he was actually answering a thread because somebody was talking about how great the match was and this guy said something along the lines of basically thought the match sucked, and he said it was 95% of the match was just them staring at each other. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, they stared at each other, and they let the crowd pop, and they let that thing cook for about five minutes in the beginning, give or take a minute. That match, the wrestling aspect of it went almost 30 minutes. Now, I'm not the math nerd in the room, but I'm pretty sure that five minutes out of 30 is not 95%.
1: Uh, You you are correct, sir.
0: Okay, okay. So, (laughs) what they did do was build up to a crescendo. Was it a slow burn in the beginning? Absolutely. They were... but You got the hometown boy, this emotional favorite that... Anybody going into this match with an ounce of common sense, and I'll talk about this when we get to the second half of this discussion, knew how this match was going to end. What are you going to give this crowd to get it hyped up, get them into this match, even though most of the people in there already knew what the outcome was going to be? you got to slow burn this. you got to make them want it and salivate it and want it even more. So, yeah, it started off a little slow. But then it started to build, and you got to think about things here. This is not a situation where you've got two equally matched guys going head to head. This is the underground, or the, the underdog from the underground versus the tribal chief. So, Sami Zayn's not going to go out there and go on this massive onslaught. He's going to pick and choose his spots. He's going to look for a weakness in Robin. He's going to try and chop down that tree, and you got to do that slowly because, as a thinking at this from a, a fight aspect. If Sami Zayn goes in, balls to the wall against Roman Reigns, he gets put down in five minutes. When you look yep. at it from a fight aspect. Yep. When you look at it mechanically and him looking at it as a technician, because Sami Zayn's very cagey, very crafty, he's got to try and outthink and outmaneuver Roman. You're going to start off slow. You're going to pick your spots. And that's what this did. And that's what this match and it built to this amazing crescendo that ended up being the last 10 minutes of the match where the guys went full tilt. And I thought it was amazingly crafted. I thought it was an amazing story that they told. Um, and and both guys showed why they are two of the best in the industry today. Ray, your thoughts on the match itself?
2: Um, well, 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 very well introduced, first and foremost. Um, I, it, it, to shout out uh, Hyman Carter... On Twitter, my boy, um, this cinema—that was what I want from professional wrestling. Um, there's a reason, and, and I mean no disrespect to the guys, the Will Ospreys of the world, and the Ricochets and the El Hijo del Vikingos and of the world, who can do everything. I mean no disrespect because they're amazing, and they have matches that I love to watch. But there's a reason why for 30, 40, 50 years, dudes took like six moves and two bumps and they sold millions, they sold hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's because when you have the story that invests the crowd into the point where they care so much about you that staring at the other guy makes them cheer, makes them feel, then they got you. Yeah. Yeah. also, I think Roman is the best big match wrestler in the world right now because you know what Roman's greatest attribute is to me? He is the calmest human being I've ever seen in my life. Every he just it seems like he's never flustered, never stressed. And when he is, you know something's up. And yeah. it's a beautiful character trait that you know that you people see fear, right? But yeah. he's so calm. It's like nothing rattles him. Even Cena in Cena Chicago against Punk. Cena in Hammerstein against uh, RVD. You could see him amped up, right? He was focused, but you could see him amped up. Cena was just chilling in the corner. I mean, Roman was just chilling in the corner. And such a beautiful offset to the frenetic energy of Sami Zayn, who was back to babyface magic, um, as a friend of mine called him the modern Ricky Steamboat, which I endorse because... Babyface Sammy Zane is as close as you're going to get to Ricky Steamboat.
0: Yeah. Shufu. I agree with that.
2: Um, just a beautifully wrestled match. Um, the thing that they had to do for the people who aren't Montrealians and for the people who aren't lost in the sauce of the Sammy situation right now is you had to adequately make me think, the viewer, that this dude whose nickname is God Mode could possibly be beat by this dude whose pants don't even fit him in the match. I'm not being funny because his pants didn't quite like, fit right. Yeah. You know? like, I think Sami Zayn suffers
0: from no acetol. Whoa. Uh, <laughs> a serial Canadian? Yeah. Like, God bless him, right? <laughs> God, bless, um, God bless him. Honest to God. It's <laughs> not a knock on Sami. That's a rip, no, kind of. It. but
2: um, Which is fine. But the part of the beauty of Sami Zayn is he was pasty. He does. He got a six pack, but it's a little pudge there. His hair is great. That, but that's the beauty of him because just like Kevin, they're the every man. Everybody can see some of themselves in those two guys, right? Right. But that's that was what you had to do in the match. And um, for, I don't. I don't want to go long because I want Rob to talk. I apologize Right. I right, right. this part. Um, my daughter, my oldest daughter, she likes wrestling, but she. It's only if I'm watching with her, but she, whatever. I explained to her the same situation and she was with me Friday when Sammy came out and saw the reaction he got. Yeah. And she was invested. And I had to explain to her. There was one there at the very beginning. Um, Roman goes out the ring and Sammy does the dive and Roman gets up and he's holding his ear and mm-hmm. Graves said, maybe his equilibrium is off. And he gets in the ring and he's wobbling Enough to let Sammy do the springboard, uh, not springboard, but the top rope um, crossbody Ricky Steamboat again, right? Right. And I explained to my daughter why Roman may be the best seller in the business because this is a six foot three, 265 pound nose tackle. And Sammy Zayn maybe is 210, soaking wet. Maybe. Yeah. If, if, you know, if, if he, he's vegan, so if he ate his vegan tacos before he came to the show, right? <laughs> but. The idea that the small thing, nobody else sells like Roman. If someone drops an elbow and they meant to hit their chest, your chest, but they hit your arm, Roman sells the arm. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you punch Roman, but you punch him in the shoulder, Roman sells the shoulder. Like, he sells the thing that nobody else sells. So the fact that he's selling the fact that his equilibrium is off is enough, just like uh, Brock and the, the stomach and the diverticulitis, enough to make you think maybe he got a chance. And it's just a beautiful way of selling. Um, I don't want to talk too much. I just, the match was wrestled beautifully.
0: Yeah. Um,
2: yeah. Spot spot. I even love the fact that they they knew when to bring him up and pull him down. Everybody was talking about, man, I wonder if Sammy's going to bring back the Torpedo DDT through the ropes. And he did. And Roman shut that shit down. Yeah, it's yep. like beautifully to bring it up and then bring it down. And just until they got to the end and Go ahead, yeah. Rob. I'm
0: sorry, man. All right, Rob. What your thoughts on the match itself?
1: I mean, it was like one of those. Old, it was old school NWA match, you know. I mean, look. I mean, you know, you watch Rick work back in the day. First five minutes of the match was trash talking, bailing out, wooing, you know, and then you know, uh, you know, locking up and then pulling out and then and bailing out again, you know, and uh, milking the crowd and then you got a few more minutes of just working a headlock to milk the crowd and then you know all that type of stuff um that's, they did that kind of thing here um like and also of note used should be noted roman's kind of his his guy as far as his agent for his matches is michael hayes and who, michael hayes
2: ain't missed
0: yet to be and, clear.
1: But, you know, but you know michael hayes 1980s freebirds you know nwa territory
0: yep do more by doing less
1: yeah um exactly and so roman does that um and i think that gets lost on a lot of people nowadays um because it's just like well it's for a lot of people who talk about wrestling on the internet that's lost to them they they don't it doesn't compute right um so that's why they say well they're just staring at each other the whole time you know um no it's because you know, you, you you make things matter and you know, you you know, you take the time to let the crowd respond to stuff and to milk the crowd and to do all that kind of thing.
0: One thing I'm gonna say about that, what sold that for me, and I'll let you continue in a minute, Rob. Ray says that Roman isn't rattled, he isn't shook. Go back and look at Roman's face. Roman is telling an entire story in the first three to five minutes of that match. Yep. That crowd is getting to him. That crowded is is in his head. Roman's looking around, and there's that that he has the best facial expressions in the business. Like you can read what's going. You can read his internal prompt through his eyes. Roman is looking around at Montreal. Like, what the hell have I gotten into? Like, yeah, what, how, what what how is this? Yeah, how who dare. are these people, and why? Like, there's a. I won't say doubt. But there's a moment on Roman's face where he's like, maybe not. You know, maybe I got into more than I could handle here. And yeah. and I thought that was brilliant. Go ahead, yeah. Rob. I'm sorry.
1: No problem, no problem. And um, and like I said, you like you gotta you gotta make the crowd believe that the guy on the other side has a chance to win. And you and you need to do it in a way that makes sense. And Okay, because you know, way too many times nowadays, you because know, I mean I've much longer I watched this match from it was like from PWG, I think it was it was Ricochet and Gunther. And it was a video they had a video game match. Right. And it was just like like what is this shit? And look if you're if you're into that kind of thing, it was great. But if you're not, it was kinda of like well, what is this shit? Right? Because mm-hmm. I mean Ricochet was getting entirely too much stuff in on him and all of that, right? Um so to me, that that's not a believable way of portraying the smaller guy as having a chance of winning, right? Um, so here they did that, and I you know I go back to like with Ric Flair, he had matches, he had title matches against Ricky Morton in the Rock and Roll Express,
0: and made you believe that Ricky might actually have.
1: Yeah, and and, see, won. and when, it's funny because when Roman Russell Jay, that's that's what I thought of when Roman wrestled Jay. the same type of thing. Like he's gonna he's gonna have this matchup with one half of a tag team who shouldn't have any chance of winning. And they're gonna, you know, they're gonna try and make you think that he does. And in this case, you know, no, you know, Sammy is a guy who no, Sammy should have no chance of winning. Uh and yet, so they they have to make you believe. And not just because Sammy's smaller, but also just because of his place on the roster, right? Yeah. Um you know, um, it's you know, so you, you have to you have to go out there, you have to make people believe not just that the smaller guy can win, but also the guy that is in in a clearly lower position on the roster. And you know, and to the to the people who watch, the people who just watch, not the internet people who are always talking about well, he needs to be a main event blah, blah, blah. But the people who just watch the show and who know but just from watching it, they know that Sammy's in a lower place than Roman. And like you gotta give those you gotta convince those people that oh wait a minute, this guy might actually win this thing mm-hmm. uh, and so they did that, and that's what that's what you gotta do here and to me, that's always better than having a video game match to me um, yeah uh, and so they they did that here Roman again is you know as far as male wrestlers I think he's 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 the best at doing that kind of thing mm-hmm. uh. And so to me, it was, it was an excellent match to me and. Yeah, you know, there were a few kind of moments where like the finish where I thought maybe they were doing a little too much because they knocked out like two referees and, you know, yeah. I, it got to be a bit much. And this is something, um, yeah, I'm going to reference James E. Cornett here for a minute. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, well, cause he pointed, like he pointed out basically that for a lot of this stuff, like like uh, I think, well, was it Jay that Sammy speared?
0: Yeah, he went to spear uh, Roman. Roman moved, and Sammy hit Jay.
1: Yeah, and then, and then and then like Jay was like laid out on the floor for like twenty minutes, right? Yeah, uh, and then oh, and seeing if if you if you're like me and you have this bad habit of listening to Jim Cornette,
0: um, you got to stop. Robbie. Well, well no, what, see, the
1: problem is, like, <laughs> when, he, you know, when he points out stuff like that, he's a hundred percent right. Yeah.
0: Right?
1: Uh, and and that's what, like when one of that's one I don't know, one of the things he harps on is like when people do beat downs and run ins that they they take too long, and yeah. they do too much shit, and um, so I thought they were doing too much here with that. Um, but other than that, I mean, I thought the the, the actual finish itself was good because Roman did beat him with the spear. He didn't. He didn't. Hit him, you know, he didn't. was. He didn't use a foreign object or something to actually pin him. He did pin him with the spear. Yeah, so he did get have him down for three while the referee was out. So you did get that. Um so they did all the stuff they needed to do. And then I thought the thing with Kevin was perfect. You know, Kevin came in and he stopped the you know the carnage. But then he was still like, okay Sammy, fuck you and then left.
0: Yeah. And I like where they're going with him and Sammy where Kevin's like, I didn't help you. Yeah. He's like, I helped you, but I didn't help you. He's like, you know, my issue is with the bloodline. I'm dealing with them. He's like it, it, they, Kevin Owens had real bro talk with Sami Zayn on Monday night, and I loved it. I thought it was incredible. Oh,
1: and that was great because he was like, "Look, look, you know, I did that because, you know, I didn't want to see your kids see you get the shit beat out of the way you yep. get, the way you stood there and watched me get the shit beat out of me in front of my kids." Yeah,
0: that, that was Kevin real is, bro stuff right there.
2: Kevin Owens continuing to be the only person on the roster that pays attention to shit. Great character trait. Yeah.
0: Yep, absolutely. We act like a
2: human being. yeah.
0: Yep. I'm going to drop a couple quick nuggets on this match before we move into uh, the big topic of the night. Uh, This match, uh, I was able to – Ray referenced something earlier where he was able – he kind of knew the outcome of the match. So knowing that, you go into this match and you can just watch it and enjoy it. And that's what this was. I really – I had absolutely no misconceptions as to who was going to win this match. We're going to talk about this in just a minute. Um, so I was able to kick back and watch the little nuances as I was able to catch Roman's facial expressions in the first couple of minutes, able to, to pick up the little things that they did in the match to make you think that, Hey, Sammy might take this one home. Um, uh, the other thing that I'll mention, this is again, going back to something, uh, Ray was saying a minute ago about some of these really the internet beauties and the internet darlings, the, um, the ospreys and people like that, and the reason why they're not doing this, and, and I referenced something that, and it's related when I tie it all together. The rock band from the '80s, Dokken. the guitarist George Lynch was uh, there's a guy named Eddie Trunk, and Eddie Trunk does you know a, a talk show on on uh, Hair Nation. Actually, he does several talk shows, but the one I listened to is on Hair Nation, and he had George Lynch, who was the guitarist for Dawkins on there one time. And he's talking to George. And George is talking about when Dawkins was putting together like their second album or something like that. He's like, I go in the studio and Don Dachon, who was the lead singer and the, you know, the guy that started the band, he's like, I go in and Don's playing guitar. And Eddie Trunks like, wait a minute, I didn't know Don played guitar. And yeah, he's like, Yeah, he plays guitar. And Eddie looked at, you know, said to, to George Lynch, he's like, well, was he any good? And George Lynch was like, I hate that question. He's like, because what does that mean? He's like I can be the most technically proficient guitarist in the world, but if I don't write timeless songs and he does, who's the better guitarist, him or me? And when I look at this match and I look at matches similar to that, they're timeless and they're timeless because of the way that the crowd invests itself in the performance that these guys put on. And there doesn't have to be a triple lending and triple backflips and dive after dive after dive and hold after hold after hold and you don't have to go full tilt from bell to bell to invest that crowd and draw them in and that i think that's the biggest takeaway from this match especially for the people that thought it quote unquote started out slow
1: yeah and and speaking of guitarists um you know uh guitarist my favorite band uh you know you two the edge like um, he showed what he does. He plays very simple chords and very simple notes. And, oh yeah, but he just, but like he, but he basically runs it through this effects machine, right? So it, it's because he's like a basically like an engineer, basically, and mm-hmm. so you get all these crazy sounds coming out. But when he's in, like, but he showed me, look, I'm just playing this, and just yeah. you know, oh. and I run it through here because I like playing with the sounds and all that stuff, and that's the, you know, that's what. Makes our songs do what they do. Well, but he's playing very simple notes. <laughs> I mean, and, how and, many but great
2: guitarists though of that time, right? Like Townsend? Yeah. Like uh Angus Young. Like all these dudes really not playing like
0: the craziest of Oh no, no. Well a of lot music. of musicians will make fun of the quote unquote three chord band Hetfield. Hatfield gets hell for it to this day. Yeah. Yeah, for being a three chord artist, but let me made, ask you this: He's not even the lead guitarist. He's the rhythm guy. He, just he is the rhythm guy. Yep, absolutely. He can play lead. He's done solos, but that's not cool. his. That that's not his his lane. But you think about it, and when you think about timeless things, let's take Steve Vai and Ingvae Malmsteen are absolute wizards on the guitar. Who made more timeless music? Them or Angus Young slash Pete Townsend? You know, it yeah. I I can promise you that half of our audience knows who Angus Young and Slash and, and Pete Townsend are. Yeah. Most of them probably never even heard the name Ingve Malmstein. Oh, yeah. A few more might know Steve Vai. but and, and, and it's not to knock them on their their wizardry because they're absolutely brilliant. But the, the more simple stuff and, and the stuff that, that that's more timeless is what people remember. And when you equate that to wrestling that that's why and that's why this is this match was so good because I think it'll be remembered years from now.
1: Yeah, and um, and that's you know because like look, those matches to me, I always go back to well Hogan Andre. I always talked about this that they spent ten minutes building to a simple body slam and they had ninety three thousand people on their feet when it finally happened.
0: Yeah, I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Okay. So, get any
2: last thoughts here, Ray? Uh, so, everybody knows the term wrestling subjective and it's true and that's truly subjective so whatever you like is what you like whatever you don't what you don't you have the right to like or not like what you want sure but the way I was taught in wrestling the way I was I came up with the way I learned the way I I fell in love with the business I've had the luxury not as much as you DJ but to work a small min- minuscule part in the actual wrestling business under some very popular names that you see on TV on a regular basis and and listen to them and Talk to them and learn from them what I have been taught about wrestling is is that the physical part of wrestling is the least most' the least important part it is it's only there because you got to do something yep what makes wrestling is the interaction between you, the other person or parties and the crowd, and how the crowd feels about the things you're doing right, and they use physical action to tell that story. Right. Otherwise, if you just care about the physical action, I'm a huge MMA fan. I don't need to watch wrestling for my for fight fix. I watch it every every Saturday. Big fight it's a big it's a big uh um, Errol Spence fighting or you know one a uh, one time he fighting I'ma watch the fight. That's my real
0: fighting. If I'm watching wrestling, I'm gonna feel something. Yeah and we felt something. All right, so let's get into some real discussion here because I think we're going to break out the golden shovel here a little bit and uh, whack <laughs> you people over the head with it. And my by you targets. people, I'm sorry,
1: my my favorite targets.
0: Your favorite targets, you people. That, that, that the you people have been have been under Rob's Shovel for a few weeks now, and now I'm going to take the shovel from him for a little bit because you people have got me shoot hot with mm-hmm. some of your takes over whether or not Sami Zayn should have won Saturday night. You people seem to think that WWE should have taken a historic 900-day title reign in one of the biggest stories in the history of this business since the implosion of the mega powers, and break it up to give the hometown boy a feel-good, pop-the-crowd moment to turn around and lose it back to Roman Reigns in two days, a week, two weeks, a month. Like, why if Brian Alvarez got out here and he's like, I haven't seen one single reason why he shouldn't have won, nobody has given me a single logical reason, kayfabe or otherwise, why Sami Zayn should have won that match on Saturday night. And anybody with any ounce of sense went into Saturday knowing, okay, Sami's going to make a good showing, there's a really good emotional connection here, there's a really good story, but if you truly... Truly thought that Sami Zayn might actually win. WWE gotcha. And that was the point. That was the reason for watching all this. And so many people are out there like, well, why did we invest all this time in the Sami Zayn story if Sami Zayn wasn't going to win it? That was the point. You're investing in the story. The story was never Sami winning the title. Hell, the story isn't even Sami and Roman, the story is Sami and Jay. And if you want to be real, real about it, the story story is Roman and Jay, Mm -hmm. because that ties it all the way back to the beginning of this whole goddamn thing. And some of you people are out here like, well, we've got Cody Rhodes, who's on the horizon at WrestleMania. We've got whoever comes next down the road. And you guys want Sami Zayn to get a feel good moment title run. You are absolutely taking money out of the bag. Of the match where Roman loses it all. And we had this discussion on this show a few weeks back. And there was some discussion that when Roman loses. It was okay. Should we split the titles up? Should one title go to Raw? Should one title go to SmackDown? Rob's sentiment wasn't at the time. I didn't agree with it. When Roman loses. He has to lose it all. He can't lose half of it. He can't lose part of it. He's got to lose the whole thing. Because that is the story. These two titles have become the story. This tribal chief, this I need to have it all. This is the story. And if he loses any part of that, you take money away from the end game. And there's so many different instances where you people do that. And, again, I'm going to reference the um, Hulk Hogan-Andre the Giant match. Rob said this, the crux of that story was them building up to a body slam. That was – a Andre's never been body slammed before. Hogan's going to be the first one to do it. Hogan's the first man to body slam Andre, and then every single goddamn one of you nerds, oh no! Look, Stan Hansen did it. Kamala did it, and it's why does it fucking matter? Just fucking play along. When did we stop playing along as fans? Because what you're watching on TV. You guys have blurred the lines between what you're watching on TV and what happens backstage, and you shouldn't give a shit about what happens backstage. Rob posted something in a a chat that we're in together. Are you guys rooting for the person on TV or are you rooting for the actor? Because I feel like a lot of you are rooting for the actor and not the character. And if you watch what you're watching on TV, the character Sami Zayn. Should not have won Saturday night. Not with the story that they're telling. Not with the direction that this company is going. Not with what is coming up down the road. The character of Sami Zayn. Now, emotionally, do I think Sami Zayn could have won? Absolutely. When I when I put emotions... Emotions only. Yes. Emotionally, I feel like Sami Zayn should have won. Could Sami Zayn beat Roman Reigns? Potentially. But right now, this week, this month, this year... It was not the time... For Sami Zayn to beat Roman Reigns. It's not his time to hold the World Heavyweight Championship, the Universal Championship. There are too many other things going on right now. And you guys don't watch this as fans. And I really, some of it is the internet. And Ray and I talked about the internet and its influence on culture now before we ever even went live tonight. And, and while there was a time in my life where I would not have agreed with that, I firmly believe that the internet has entrenched itself in our culture it is an entrenched ourselves in what we think we know and i think back to a time in my life when i was a young wrestling fan and i'm going to take you back to the year was 1989 it was wrestlemania 5 it was the intercontinental champion ultimate warrior versus ravishing rick rude and i went into that thinking man the ultimate warrior is going to whip this guy's ass this is going to be the greatest thing because i hate rick rude and it's going to be the greatest thing the ultimate warrior is going to be intercontinental champion forever He's going to be 132 years old running to the ring with the Intercontinental Championship. This is what 15-year-old me thought. And then Rick Rude won that night. Bobby Heenan, Ultimate Warrior, had Rude on the outside. Warrior went to suplex Rude back in the ring. Bobby Heenan swept Warrior's legs, held his feet down. Rude fell on top of him. Ref counted one, two, three. And I was pissed. I was shoot hot, man. I Being the biggest Ultimate Warrior fan on the planet in 1989, I was pissed. You know what I didn't do? I didn't sit there and go, ah, oh, Vince must have lost faith in the Ultimate Warrior. He doesn't think he can carry the title anymore. Booking doesn't care about him. Creative doesn't like him. No, you know who I blamed? I blamed Bobby the Brain fucking Heenan and Rick Rude for cheating and taking the belt off of my guy. And you guys aren't doing that here. You guys should be pissed off at Jimmy Uso. You guys should be pissed off at Roman for taking this opportunity away from Sami Zayn because in the story, in what you're watching on TV, fuck what you think you know backstage, okay? Fuck that. What you're watching on TV in the moment, Triple H didn't take that away from Sami Zayn. Vince sure as shit didn't take it away from Sami Zayn. Creative didn't take it away from him. Kevin Dunn didn't take it away from him. Roman Reigns and Jimmy Uso robbed Sami Zayn Saturday night. And you people are so wrapped up in what you think you know. And now this just ridiculously bad take of they wouldn't pull the, you know, pull the trigger on Sammy because of this, because of that. There was no reason. There was no reason other than this is not Sami Zayn's time. This is part of a larger story that they're telling. And you're supposed to feel that. You're supposed to be pissed at Roman. You're supposed to be angry at the situation. Because when somebody finally does beat his ass, it's going to mean that much more. And if it is Sami Zayn, awesome. Awesome for Sami. Awesome for the fans who are in attendance that night when it happens. Great. But right now, today, February 22nd, 2023, it is not time for Sami Zayn to ascend. One thing Sami Zayn can take out of that, and we as fans should take out of that, that February 22nd, 2023, Sami Zayn, a guy who two years ago, the internet wrestling community said he should get the hell up out of WWE, go to AEW, and do all his shit, was in a main event match against the tribal chief, Roman Reigns. He's been an important part of main WWE programming for almost nine months. That guy who should have left is right there, and for a minute, for a moment, we all believed... That he might actually do it. To me, that's just as important as winning the goddamn title was getting yourself, getting a, a guy who the everybody thought should have just left. Should have just left and gone and done his own thing. And here he is standing nose-to-nose, eye-to-eye with the tribal chief. To me, that is a win if I'm Sami Zayn. Somebody take over because I'm going to keep going and I will take the rest okay, of the show okay. over. Um, the
1: cause, cause this, has been a, this has been a big thing for me. People rooting for the like you said the actors and not the characters um you don't i not, look we don't know these people we don't we don't know look uh, i forgot sammy's real name but seems like Ray a really Lisa nice Bay. seems like a really nice person okay he does seems like a really wonderful guy but you don't know him okay you don't all right you, you don't know him all right i don't know him okay just like i don't know joe he i don't know ashley fleer okay i don't know them okay they seem like nice enough people. All right. I don't know them. All right. All right. So when you start saying this person deserves it, this person. No, no, they don't. They deserve to get paid the right amount of money for the work that they do. That's what they deserve. Okay. That's what they deserve. As far as the characters they're playing, the characters, what the characters do or not deserve should be based on what the characters do in the story. Okay, Sami Zayn sucked up to Roman Reigns. Sami Zayn ratted out his co-workers to Roman Reigns. Also, he could be a part of the club. Okay, that's what Sami Zayn the character did. Sami Zayn, you know, Sami Zayn the character did not deserve to win anything. Okay. He did not deserve it. So stop it. Okay. Okay. The only thing that Sami Zayn, the character, did that was halfway noble was that he stepped in the way when they were about to kill Kevin Owens. All right, and and of course, Kevin, if there's any character who doesn't deserve a damn thing, it's Kevin Owens. Okay, All right. So please, okay, you know, the two guys who play the characters are winning. Okay, they they have won a million times over since they've been there. Okay. Please. Okay, these are fictional characters. Okay. Yeah, that's what they are. Roman Reigns is a fictional character. Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens are fictional characters. Jimmy and Jey are fictional characters. Okay, that's what they are. Okay, if you root for the characters, root against the characters. Okay, if you're if you're is it supposed to be a morality play? Okay, um, you know you didn't root for Darth Vader because you like David Prouse or James Earl Jones, right? You didn't do that, did you?
2: No. James Earl Jones is dope.
1: Yes, he is. But that doesn't mean you should go in the movie the- that does not mean you should go to the movie theater and root for Darth Vader.
0: True, true story about James Earl Jones just with me. You guys saw Conan the First Conan, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He terrified me in that movie to the point where cuz again, I'm a kid when this came out. I wouldn't watch anything with James Earl Jones in it for the longest time because his Tulsa Doom fucking terrified me as a kid. That dude traumatized me.
1: I mean, but that's just my thing, right? I mean, um, again, these are fictional characters. Now, if if one of these fictional characters just happens to be your favorite and you want to root for them all the time just because, okay, fine. Because I do that, right? I mean, you know what? I mean, I root for Roman Reigns, and he's an evil bastard. And, you know, I root for Charlotte Flair, who most of the time is an evil bastard. Okay, in some kind of, right? Okay, uh, but I, I own that, and I take that, in, and I you know, and, I okay. But, you know, I don't go in there, well, they deserve such and such. No.
0: My favorite wrestler in WWE is Seth Rollins. What the fuck is Seth Rollins spent the last 14 months of his life doing? <laughs> I mean, and
1: and he's another. Like, I mean, he you know he he his biggest accomplishment was, you know, running in the middle of a match and stealing a victory at WrestleMania, right? I mean, that's not noble. He didn't deserve anything, right? I mean, yeah. So I just I just I hate the "you deserve it" talk. I just do. I really do. Right. I, I,
0: well, and to be fair, Sammy Zayn. The worker deserves the accolades. Sami Zayn has put in some incredible work over the last two years. He really has, with the uh, from conspiracy theory Sami Zayn to just you know weasel Sami Zayn into Bloodline Sami Zayn into this whole character you know arc of the last two weeks. That worker deserves his flowers. You know, yes, absolutely deserves his flowers, and at some point, I firmly believe he'll get them. But not right now. Yep. Not yet. You can you can make them want it just a little bit more. Well, I think the
1: worker is getting the flowers right now because we're all raving about him.
0: Well, we're talking about him, and I'm and, sure when he woke up and looked at his bank account on Monday morning, he saw plenty of flowers in the bank account.
1: And he and also, I mean, he's getting to, he's he is getting to work on the biggest stage. So yes. I. Look, the, the man who worked, the the man behind the character is getting his flowers and is very much winning, okay? Um, but the character is supposed to go where the story takes it. And, you know, and in this case, no, the, this story, no, the, the character winning this match was never part of the story. It was never supposed to be part of the story. And, I'm
0: gonna I'm gonna get Ray's thoughts in a minute. I'm gonna okay. reference a movie and get your thoughts on that and see how it equates to this situation.
1: And uh, just you know, my last thing is that you know people are trying to equate this to, um, you know, Daniel Bryan or whatever. And I've said before, you know, they, they showed Daniel Bryan literally got screwed out of the world championship multiple times on pay per view shows and on television. They showed you him getting screwed out of the world title. The point of the story was that he was getting screwed out of the world title. Sammy was trying to be in the cool kids club, right? That That's yeah. what it was. Yeah. And those are two entirely different things.
0: All right, Mr. Cash, your
2: thoughts. So there's a story that Edge told at WrestleMania 24, right after um, Sean retired Frick Flair. It's one of the greatest promos I've ever heard in a wrestling show in my life, ever. You can imagine Orlando that night People are in tears. Ric Flair, one of the GOATs of all time, can never wrestle again. Um, him kissing his kids. One of the last time we'd see Reed, God rest the dead, yeah. you know, goes away. Fireworks. And they come back to Edge. And he's talking about what an amazing night this is, right? You know, all these things have happened. But, you know, remember that night he's wrestling Undertaker. And he says, you know, I remember being a kid going to WrestleMania, and I was the biggest Hulkamaniac in Toronto, the biggest. I loved Hulk Hogan. And WrestleMania six, Hulk Hogan versus Ultimate Warrior, the Ultimate Challenge. I was in the crowd. And you know what? Hulk Hogan lost. And he said, my my childhood died right then and there. And I grew up and realized that, you know what? The things you want to happen aren't going to happen. And he turned it into how he built him for the match for Undertaker and all this. And I'm sitting there mesmerized like that's a, such a fantastic promo. But it touches on what you said. And I know this that's kayfabe, that's wrestling talk, right? But um, it's just a beautiful way to make full circle the fact that even the wrestlers use in their own – promos of that, you know, the idea that losses and wins make this big of a deal in someone's life. It's a little bit, it's a little bit ridiculous. And some, certain people can't help the fantasticism, excuse me. Right. Like I, I feel bad for people. Like I've seen um, some people who have special needs who believe it all and like I, you get a pass for stuff like that. But the the, the I the, the fandom we live in now worst thing we ever did we've done a lot of things but the worst thing the most egregious failure we have as a group is that we have worked ourselves so much into the fact that we can't be worked anymore. That's our biggest failure. Mhm. And I say that because you guys spoke about how we're, we're rooting for the characters and not the matches. Well, that's because we have learned so much about the business that you can't, you can't work me no more. So if I've, I've watched, I'm 34. I've been watching wrestling since I was six years old. Right? So that's 28 years of my life. Mm-hmm. I've watched wrestling, everything. I've been to dozens of wrestling shows. I've taken bumps in wrestling rings. I've, Choke people out, just wrestling with them, you know, in my my living room. I've done everything, I've done it all, right? Done everything there is to do. At a certain point, it's inevitable for me to get a little bored with certain aspects of the product, right? It's inevitable. Yeah. So it feels like after the attitude era when things got at their highest and the world got at its most popular, because, you know, the world opened up with the advent of the internet and social media. We as a fan base got bored with the shit that was in the ring. So we said, well, what's more what's what's more interesting is the shit backstage. You know? I, I speak on it. I work for Wrestling Inc., I write about news every day.
0: Yeah.
2: Right? I see the numbers that come to the sites that we do. It's the money that goes into wrestling news and quote unquote journalism, right? So we're so enamored with what happens backstage, just so completely. Gung ho about it, that in many cases it's more interesting than the shit that's happening in the ring. So that ideology has changed us from caring about what happens in the ring to caring about what happens backstage, which has then changed us from caring about the story that's being told in the ring to being caring about, caring about why the story is happening in the ring is happening.
0: And that's a shame because some people are missing out on some really, really good fucking work.
2: They are. yeah, and 100%. And, yes. 100%, which is, which is the failure of it. But those same people care more. The fandom flips. Everything switches. Those same people are the ones that want to watch a random ass Kip Sabian versus Sammy Guevara match on Dynamite. And again, I might use those people to this. Because both of those wrestlers are fantastic in ring performers, but AEW has been notorious, and in many cases they've been criticized for just throwing on matches for the sake of having matches, which is cool. There's an audience for that, but devoid of any story, I don't care about what's going on in the ring. If there's a, there's no story, unless I'm at right. a live event, I can't you know I'm there to watch the performers. But if I'm watching at home, and no story, I don't really care. So. Yeah. The ideology has changed from I don't want to know what's happened backstage. I, this is a this is a movie for me. I don't want to know why Kang is gonna do this and that and what's gonna happen five years from now. I just want to see if Ant-Man can get away from Kang. But the but the but the fandom has changed to, well, I need to know what's gonna happen after that. Why is it Ant-Man's gonna go after Kang? It could be anybody else. Why, you know, is when the Consulate King's gonna come. Well they didn't do Imperial Imper- Imperious Rex, right? Or I know I'm saying the guy's name, but you know, and so now we care as a fandom about what's happening backstage and don't care about what's happening in the rings unless it's
0: just sport. Right. Well, let me let me it's pause the you there because the I want to I wanna stick with the with the Marvel reference. Um, because that was the point I was gonna make when we equate this to a movie and why and you kind of already laid out why wrestling is so different than, say, um, Infinity War and Endgame. In Infinity War, you know, we're building up towards this big battle with Thanos, this big battle with Thanos. So they have the big battle with Thanos, you know, towards the end of Infinity War. And we're at a point where Thanos has laid out the rest of the Avengers and Wanda. Wanda is the only one who can save us. She's got to crack the Mind Stone. She's got to destroy it so that Thanos can't get it. He can't complete the gauntlet. We're going to win. And she does it. Mm -hmm. There's that moment. She does it. And then they take it away from you. They take that away from you. And she doesn't do it. And Thanos wins. In equating this to Sammy and Roman. Sammy is Wanda. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. And then that last possible second. Roman rips him from the jaws of victory. And pulls him back that's part of the story that's part of the journey the destination was never saturday night can i tell you the difference
2: may i go ahead no please by all means the difference is because this is live cinema this is live theater this is broadway with physicality right so because of that uh the the audience is essentially the The third man, the third man in the ring is the referee, right? But the fourth man in the ring is the is is the fan, is the crowd, correct? Right. So me, as a crowd in the theater watching Endgame, I or Infinity War, I can't change or have an effect on what happens to Thanos or Thor or Cap or Tony or Peter Parker. I have no, I'm I am a witness to what happens. If I'm a wrestling fan. If I bitch enough, if I cry enough, if I chant enough, if I raise enough hell, I feel like I can get them to change things to go my way. And I know, you know what? of the time it hasn't happened, but you know what? Wrestling was ruined the day we, well, Daniel Bryan did it, and wrestling has been ruined ever since. Yeah. Because now you've given them the idea that I have <clears> a say <throat> in what's happening in the ring. Now, to be fair, every good wrestling company worth its salt should take the ideas of the wrestling fans and who they're cheering for and work around that to get to a certain point. But you have to plan for things. You can't pivot on a Monday when you've been planning for nine months and this one dude comes out and gets Fandango comes out and the whole crowd is doing the do to do to do to do Well, fuck it then. Fandango versus Brock Lesnar for the world championship. You can't do that. It doesn't make right. sense, right? But wrestling is the only medium where I feel like as an audience member, whether I paid my money to be there, I'm watching on TV, I'm doing a stream, I'm a troll on Twitter and Reddit. You got to hear me.
1: You yeah, got and, to hear me. And uh, uh, to add on to that, because making reference to, uh, to Wanda, and actually, because I've been thinking about this for a while, like, okay, so out of all the people in the movie, Wanda had one of the biggest reason. you know, she had one of the biggest, you know, beefs with Thanos when they got to mm-hmm. the final battle. However, at the end of the day, Wanda's still a supporting character.
0: Right. And that was my point. That's what I was getting to. Same thing supporting character. Who killed killed Thanos? Tony. Tony Stark. Because that movie, that entire... Tony started it all. Right. Tony Stark kicked off phase one
1: of the MCU. It all started with Tony Stark. So Tony Stark was going to be the guy who took out Thanos one way or another. That's who it had to be. Tony uh, was the
2: only one smart up to understand we might need a backup plan. Yeah. And he had the backup plan with the nanobytes getting the 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 Infinity Stones away. Which right. is why in it, it, it storyline, it had to be Tony.
1: And then, I mean, even when you get to Dr. Strange looking at him, it's like, I can't tell you how it's supposed to go because if I tell you, you're going to fuck it up.
2: Yeah, straight up.
1: Um, um And basically, basically, which made it very clear, well, it's all Tony has to do the right things to make this work, um, and so it's just that's the way stories go. Like like, okay, Luke Skywalker showed up in you know he debuted in Episode Four, and of course you know we had the prequels and all that. Luke Skywalker, but he showed up. He was the guy to do the thing to blow up the Death Star. He was the guy who had to confront Darth Vader. Yeah, there are pe- now there are people who like Han Solo better. They think Han Solo is a cooler character, but. Han Solo was not going to walk into the Death Star to confront Darth Vader and return of the Jedi. Okay, he had his moment with Darth Vader. He took three shots at him, and Darth Vader took his gun away from him. Right? I mean, um, and that's and that's basically same thing with Sammy. Sammy had his shot, and it, it didn't work out. Um, that's how story. There are you know, you know when the story is centered around the villain there is the person who is set up to take the villain down, some type of main character or antagonist or whatever. That's the person who has to do it. Okay. It doesn't work the same if, you know, the side character does it first. Okay. And that's just, you know, I mean, that's just basic storytelling. I mean, right. I mean, they, you they tell you at the beginning of the story, who's, who's going to take down the bad guy. They, they give you hints, they do all the things. And then, that person is the one that does it. Like you don't do all of that just for some random other person to be the one to do it. All right, and um, so Sammy was never that guy to do it here. And he just wasn't, and it never was. Go- it was never going to happen. Okay, um, and so again, and you know, I know we're going on too long about this, but just yeah, no, that's I mean, okay,
0: that's all right. It's just um, well, I mean,
1: I just feel like I just gotta get because it. it just it just it irks me to no end. And and look, and yes, okay, and one of the big reasons this irked me is because my two favorite wrestlers are people who are often have shit thrown at them, the people, and not the characters that they play, okay? Um, you know, both, you know, Joe and Ashley, okay? Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're two people who have constantly have had shit thrown at them and not the characters that they play because of narratives and things that people believe about their relationship with their boss and all of this kind of stuff. All right. So yeah, I mean, it does kind of sting me a little extra. I'll admit that. I mean,
0: all right. Well, let's move on from that. I think we've said about all we could say about Elimination Chamber and the aftermath of all that. Before we get into our last segment, I want to invite you to go over to prowrestlingtees dot com forward slash the Chair Shot. From there, you can pick up not only some great t shirts from some of the other great podcasts here on the Chair Shot Radio Network. After two years, you have listened to us in your ears. Now you can wear us on your body. That's right. The Mindless Wrestling Podcast has its own t-shirt on the Pro Wrestling Tees forward slash the chair shot. Go in there, check that out, get yourself one, wear us on your body, support the brand. We appreciate you. We know you appreciate us. Ray wanted to talk about something. We got a special request from a oh number number one fan, Brooklyn Ike. Uh, wanted us to talk a little bit about this uh, Ariel Sawani and uh, TK Twitter beef slash thing, and I'm going to let Ray take the wheels here because uh, you know Ray Ray was much deeper into this than I was, and uh, you know I have some thoughts, but I'm going to let Ray give you kind of the uh, the Cliff Notes version of what happened, and then we're going to pick this apart for a couple minutes.
2: So a big portion of this co- of this the conversation we've had tonight has to revolve around opinions. And the right to have said opinions and the right to um and the idea or the reason behind these opinions. I am a big man out this 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 feels very uh tokenish, but I, I'm a big proponent of free speech. Having the right to have your opinion, your mind is is your is your only thing you really own. I'm I'm big in that. But what bothers me is when people have an opinion that they feel they want to tell people or put out there that has not even a small, minuscule amount of objective fact that brings it to the Ariel Helwani situation. For those of you who don't know who Ariel, Ariel Hawani is, he is possibly the, fo- the foremost top combat sports journalist. When I say combat sports, I mean MMA and boxing, primarily mixed martial arts. Ariel Hawani got his name covering the UFC. He also garnered... Uh, a level of infamy, if you will, because he being the best, being the woes or the Shefter or the Jeff Passan of his sport. scooped two major UFC moments, Brock Lesnar coming back and Conor McGregor coming back. And scooped him and didn't check in with the UFC, didn't do what Dana wanted him to do, didn't kiss the ring, essentially. And Dana banned him. Ariel Hawani to this day cannot go to a UFC event anywhere, ever, but that he covers the sport. <clears throat> All the fighters still come on his show, but he can't go to the shows. Ariel Hawani recently signed with BT Sport. BT Sport is a, a British channel and entity network where he was, he was hired to come, be their primary MMA and boxing reporter. You know, Leon Edwards right now is the wel- welterweight champion. Tyson Fury is the lineal world champion, the biggest boxer in the world right now. It makes sense. Because of Dana, he gave them a lot of pushback. So, long story short, Eric has been asked, hey, you want to do some WWE stuff? Sure. He's done quite a bit of interviews. Now, Ariel is a self-professed wrestling fan. He fell away from it for a long time, but got back into it as his kids got older, because they started watching it, which is how most of us of a certain age stay in tune with the product. Anyway, Ariel, I think the most famous interview of his before the Tony Khan interview I'm going to speak of, was he was uh, Triple H's first, well, Stephen A. Smith was. But after that was his first major interview back when when Triple H was back in 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 the, in the job, and this happened right after Vince stepped down. Ariel did not ask him any Vince questions. Any questions about did he know about the malfeasance? Did he know about the 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 women and the the NDAs and all that? He didn't ask mm-hmm. him about any of that. Take that for how you will. You want to criticize that? Feel free, because. While he's not a wrestling journalist, he is a journalist, the questions could have been asked. Cool. He gets the opportunity to interview Tony Khan, who he's tried to interview for years, wasn't able to. He interviews Tony Khan similarly at a very harrowing moment after Brawl Out happened. Ariel, for whatever reason, chose to ask Tony about the Brawl situation. I feel respectfully. It was not any gotcha journalism. It wasn't any I'm going to paint you into a corner make you look bad. It was, well, this happened. Can you say anything about it? And and, and uh, Tony Khan, to his credit, said, I can't talk about it. I'm not going to talk about it. Okay, he asked in multiple different ways, even tried to get to narrow down. Okay, you can't talk about this. Can you talk about that? Well, can, can you answer this? Wouldn't do anything. And the majority of that interview... Tony's not answering anything. He's just basically saying, I- I'm not going to talk about that, but I am going to talk about Rampage tonight and such and such and such. Cool. Ariel came out a few days later and said this may be the worst interview I've ever done. Much love to Tony Khan. I love AEW. I wish him all the success in the world. This was a god-awful interview. Okay. Push pause there while we fast forward to modern day. Ariel Helwani is one of the more famous people from the the city of Montreal. So happens to be the place where Elimination Chamber was this past week. Also happens to be the hometown of one Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. He asked, given his relationship with WWE because of BT Sport, again, he doesn't work for WWE, nor does, does he cover WWE. He asked, well, hey, I'm from the city. Can I do a voiceover? Sure. There's a voiceover for video promo, bigging up and, and explaining all the history Montreal has um, outside of the screw job. Four minutes. Beautiful um, voiceover. It was very well done. Very well done. And ultimately, bigs up Kevin and especially Sammy about how the entire city on their back right now, we rock with y'all.
1: Yeah. Boom.
2: WWE did one thing they don't normally do, and they had SmackDown in the same place as the pay-per-view the next night. The entire episode of SmackDown was built around Sami Zayn making his appearance promo at the end of the show. Ariel Helwani was there in the crowd with the WWE mic basically doing a, well, later on the night. Sami Zayn's gonna come out, and basically promoting Sami Zayn's promo later on in the night. Mm-hmm. This angered people because this combat sports journalist had the audacity to hold a WWE mic on WWE programming and act like he works for WWE. He does it. This anger specifically one Tony Khan, who proceeded to tweet about it, calling Tony, calling Ariel a fraud, calling him a fraud and dissing his own. Journalist in his own company Tony Schiavone saying you're no more Of a journalist than Tony Schiavone is You're a fraud This happened during the show Ariel didn't see it Again he lives in Montreal So he ain't happening on no plane He ain't getting on the roads He went to the crib Saw it and tweeted back at him And
0: what did you say he called
2: him?
1: Snowman
0: you <laughs> said don't something something. Don't worry about the snowman or don't pay yeah. attention to the snowman said, or whatever. Yeah, he
1: said, "Tony, uh, Shivani, you're all right with me. Don't worry about the snowman." Basically,
2: yeah, but, yeah. Um, thanks for watching, old friend. Can't wait for our next chat. Also, don't listen to the snowman, Shivani You're a legend in my books.
0: Okay, that's that's word for word. That was the tweet itself. <laughs> yes, I, I want to take a break here for a minute because I want to look. I want to separate the the Tony Khan interview with Ariel and the Triple H interview with him because okay. I feel like this is a stark difference between how the two companies are run because I can guarantee you when you set up these big interviews a lot of times when celebrities do an interview it's predetermined before they ever even turn on the camera okay you can talk about this you can talk about this you cannot no, talk about it's that. Called A writer, it's called yes, a writer. Yeah. pretty much I can promise you Tony Khan did not set that up ahead of time. Because if he'd been smart, he would have even said, look, we can talk, these are the topics we can talk about. This is a no-fly zone, and Ariel never even asks the questions. So I feel like that was never established before Tony Khan ever even went in the door. Whereas with Triple H and WWE being the corporate-run company that it is, those those guidelines were absolutely firmly established.
2: Well, that, and Ariel spoke about the Triple H interview, and his reasoning, again— You have the right to discern whether you like it or don't. You agree or you don't. I have no qualms with that because that's one up for a debate, right? Mm -hmm. His reasoning was when I asked Tony Khan about what happened, it directly happened to Tony. Tony was there as it happened. Tony made the decision to do whatever happened with it. Right. When, When I was interviewing Triple H, Triple H wasn't there when any of this was happening. He was on his deathbed. So I didn't ask Triple H about something that he had nothing to do with. Right. Now, again, Triple H is still EVP and on the board who probably knew, but that was his reasoning. You take that for how you want to take
0: it. Yeah, it's it's open for interpretation.
2: I'm just giving the facts of the situation. It's open for interpretation. I understand having, feeling a certain way about him grilling Tony, quote unquote, and not, quote unquote, grilling Hunter. I can understand Having a issue
0: with that, I do. I get. That. Yeah, but no, okay. I can. I absolutely.
1: Well, so, I, I'll say this though: um, if yeah. Tony's going to put himself out there for these interviews, then I mean, well, look, he's got to be able to learn how to handle this stuff. Because look, I mean, like a good politician, when they get hit with one of those questions, they will basically not answer it, and they'll they'll pick some other question and answer that instead, and. Yes. You know, they'll, and you know they'll go on for five minutes about something entirely different from what they were asked, and then, um, you know, you know, if you're going to be doing media and you're going to be like the you got, I mean, it's bullshitting, yes, but if you're going to be out there like that, you got, that's what you got to do. Now, nah. A- otherwise, Ariel, you're gonna be you're gonna get stuck.
2: Ariel literally said that he was like, "Look, I, if you can't answer it, cool, but please say something more." Then I'm not going to talk about that say some. there's a there's an art to not answering a question
1: or oh, like like when hunter was grilled about dream right and he basically he, he gave a bullshit corporate answer like you know we looked at oh, well austin theory was like well we looked into it and you know okay
0: and, yeah nothing came out of it
1: yeah you know, so. and that's it and and that was a un, To a lot of people that was an unsatisfactory answer but it basically shut the topic down
0: and that's a good that's a good comparison because and I think this may be part of the problem that people have is that so many people in wrestling journalism don't ask Tony the tough questions they lob oh, him softballs so that they go into the media scrums but they'll goddamn sure point blank ask Triple H about Velveteen Dream about Austin Theory they'll ask him the tough questions. These people aren't used to Tony Khan being put on the hot seat because for so long he's gotten a free pass because that's our guy. He's one of us. You know, he lets he lets the Saps and, you know, the Alvarez's and, you know, the Reg's and all the rest of them, he lets them in the door. So, you know, we're going to protect Tony just a little bit more. So now you've got this protective bubble around Tony, and when somebody penetrates that, they can't handle it. Whereas for years, it's been open season on Triple H. And the wildest thing about
2: that situation is Tony called him for the interview. And so that's, that's another thing Ariel said. He was like, why would you call me to do the interview a couple a month or so after we're all out and not think I would ask you about that?
0: Yeah. And again, he should have established those parameters going in the door. So, look, this is what I can tell you. want to talk about Rampage? You want to talk about AEW? You want to talk about Dynamite? We can talk about that. You want to talk about what, you know, I envision my company being three, five, 10 years down the road. Awesome. Let's let's chat it up, man. Just people want to hear. And, and to be fair, that's a good interview. People want to hear that. People want to know, you know, they, what's AEW's plan moving forward? They also want to know exactly what the hell happened at Brawl Out. And if you can't talk about that, you need to let him know before they ever even turn on the audio and video equipment. And the and and the, the most maddening thing
2: about brawl out is all the rumor and innuendo. Shout out to Conrad. Was that there's legal ramifications, and nothing was ever announced. There was never announcement of any of any suspension. There was never announcement of any firing. A still was never announced to be fired. His. He just, he's not there anymore. We, it was never formally announced that Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks and Chris Daniels and whoever else was suspended. Never announced. There's never been an announcement. There's never been an announcement of this and that. And so it's like, you know, even the, even the, the, the Dynamite afterwards, Tony didn't mention their name. They were off the, the main video. He just said, we're going to have a new trio, tag, a trio title match. So it's like, if you're forthright with information, people won't grill you for it. Yeah. But you but you're not giving any information for people, so of course people are gonna want to ask you. Well, what's happening? Yeah. The your, three of your four AVPs are suspended. I'm sorry, or not on television, and you're not saying why. Yeah. You know, and and yes, yes, I get it. Tony lives in a world, supposedly where he acknowledges that fans are smart enough or daft enough or crazy enough to come up with their own idea of what's happening. That's cool. That's cool. But that's not reality. You know, I I get the fantasy (laughs) of booking a wrestling company. I get the fantasy and the fun of it, right? You know, because essentially he's just doing EWF in real life. Cool. But you also are the owner and proprietor yeah. of a company <laughs> that has m- million dollar contracts and contracts.
0: <gasps> Hang on. What Rob's what having a moment did. here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Rob, what what's going on, sir? Do we have breaking news? Uh, they had a tag team battle
1: royal to get in like this four-way tag team match on the pay-per-view to, for the tag team titles. And the winning team was Jay Lethal and don't Jeff Jarrett, it? It. I'm
0: out of here. <laughs> I can't with this company, dude. Like I like, I feel like oh, we should just like no. call it a night. Just, <laughs> God. Oh, All right, yeah. It, this oh. like I said, we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up because we went a little long tonight. I. I don't know, man. Tony Tony Khan's a weird dude. Like, he has within his grasp what could be a really, really good wrestling company. And he just fucking ruins it for me. By opening his mouth, by getting on Twitter, by being who he is, by allowing his talent to do what it does. I I can't. I, I can't even... I've talked about AEW more than I've watched it. You know, and it's... I don't know. It's look, man. And
2: what's what's crazy is re- much much love and respect to Jeff because his dad just died. So that's the reason why oh. I can swallow it a little better, right? Yeah. But Jeff, you are an executive in the company, big homie. You should know better not to do this.
0: Jeff is and, bound and, and determined to on. give himself his own
2: flowers. Hold on. And the the thing that nobody's nobody's mentioned. Nobody's mentioned. Is the Acclaim... So, so I, I know you don't watch the show, and Rob damn sure don't watch the show. I, <laughs> I uh, haven't
1: watching it more lately. Just Okay.
2: Well, forget. hey, God bless you, man, because I haven't watched it in totality, and I'll, I'll watch clips, but I just can't watch the whole two-hour thing anymore. I can't do it. Yeah. But when the Acclaim lost to the Ass Boys, I going to piss off everybody, the next week, it was announced that at Revolution it was going to be a triple threat where the winner of the battle royal and the winner of the a casino battle royal in successive weeks to find a title contender, which is already stupid as fuck in its own right, and the acclaimed and and Billy Gunn, Daddy Ass, come up to Renee and they say, "Uh uh-uh, uh, we're 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 we we we're casting in our rematch clause. And it's gonna be a fatal four way." Like, no, that's not how math works. Your rematch clause is a one on one team match why are you still i don't understand
0: it's so it's so convoluted it's a mess
2: i don't understand i just want
0: to understand you know on that note why don't we call the go home here let's wrap this one up this has been a fun show tonight guys um want to go around the room here and again thank my my awesome co-host here on this team going to start with the host of the rob the genius podcast mr rob Sir, thank you for a fun night.
1: Uh, thank you, and I, I apologize for the interruption. Yeah, Rob, re- yeah. Rob
0: derailed the train there. Yeah, <laughs> was, Ray, Ray, was cooking. Ray was cooking, and Rob pulled out some cold water.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry about it, because I know you guys are being very serious over there. but I, I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> We might have been getting a little too deep into it, so maybe that yeah, was what we needed to end problem. the show on. <laughs>
1: but, but that shit was hilarious.
0: <laughs> and again, from the outsider's edge... Mr. Ray Cash, sir, thank you for jumping on board and saving us here tonight. Uh,
2: is there a rumor that Comcast might be buying Warner Brothers to discover?
1: Um, that's been out there. For, well, it, um, I've seen that mentioned before.
2: Ooh, because I just I've read a thread with some credible people. That's saying that if that were to happen, then AEW would be off of out of the TV deal. Uh, also, fun fun fact for you. I'm at It's Ray Cash, r Mysterio CS. You know, you know, you know the shit. Yeah. Also, um BT Sport and Eurosport are being bought by Warner Brothers Discovery. And it's gonna be made TNT sports. So now WWE, who's on BT Sport, will now be shown on TNT Sports in England. Oh
0: oh
1: jesus oh, wow. there's, there's yeah, a conflict parkers. of interest yeah a yes. tangled <laughs> mess <laughs>
0: all right well ray thank you sir <laughs> thank you for that late breaking news and uh, thanks again for being on the show my pleasure, man. This was this was a wild one, but it was fun. Yeah, it was. we were all over the road a bit tonight. We had some really good high spots, maybe a couple low spots, but all in all, it was a good show. Uh, I am DJ. This has been the Mindless Wrestling Podcast, part of the Chairshot Radio Network. You can find us on the chairshot.com and on most of your podcasting platforms. You can also find us on the YouTubes, the Mindless Wrestling Podcast. Remember, you can call it Pro Wrestling. You can call it Sports Entertainment. You can call it whatever you want, but call it in the ring and we're out of here until next week.